0: Welcome to Home Stretch Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes with you live in studio with you until 10 p.m. this evening. Packed show. A lot of fun. But the most important thing here is Kyle's behind the glass. So, Kyle, how are you? I'm ready to party. You ready to party, baby? Yeah, pitchers and
1: catchers report. I, I mean, Chiefs and Dolphins this weekend. That's right. Isn't it? That- <laughs> we can talk. Pitchers and catchers. Yeah, yeah, man. That's what you want to talk about. No, I thought that was this weekend. I think it's like two months from now. Yeah, time. I, th- I think I think
0: you have uh, you might be a little early on that one. You may be crushing too many bush lights back there.
1: I, I just don't want this to be the last, you know, evening eight ten show previewing a Chiefs playoff game this <laughs> year, you know?
0: Hopefully we have a lot more. All right, full show. We'll be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry at 720. Going to get his thoughts on the cold weather, especially from a kicker's perspective. What does that mean in regards to um, Jason Sanders and Harrison Butker? And what are some of the mechanics that go into playing in cold weather games? Uh, Again, Nick Lowry has been in multiple cold weather playoff games in the past. Can't wait to get his thoughts at 720. I did an interview um, a couple days ago with uh, former Steelers safety NFL defensive player of the year, two-time Super Bowl champion Troy Polamalu. that'll play around 740. Uh, a lot of fun talking with Troy this was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Start off a little slow, then as this interview progresses with him, man, the energy he exudes is is palpable. Uh, he talks about his playing days, some very interesting, fascinating thoughts on how he originally started to jump the line, right? That was what he was known for. I asked him about that and said some fun questions there, a... Uh, Uh, A nice little hat tip to Patrick Mahomes as well as given by Troy. So check that out around 7.40. We'll head behind enemy lines at 8 o'clock with Alfredo Ortega. Um, He's a Dolphins guy, covers the Dolphins, really good guy. And uh, we'll talk with him at 8 o'clock, get his thoughts from the Dolphins perspective. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, I interviewed them yesterday morning. Uh, That'll play around 8.20. Uh, And yes, I did ask who do they think will win the Super Bowl and T Higgins said anyone but the Chiefs and then Jamar came in anyone but the Chiefs. So I asked T about his free agency upcoming what his plans are what the emotions are. So check out that interview today right here on sports radio 810 at 820 and then Josh Briscoe joins at 9. Mouthful, I'm already tired of talking and just doing the introduction of who's on today. It's already a lot. Um, I want to start here. I know weather's been the big talking point. I'm sure people are sick and tired of hearing about the weather. I'm not going to talk about it too long with you guys right now. I I just want to bring up a under-talked-about aspect of the weather, okay? I lived in Philly for three years. I lived there when they had a nor'easter, a little polar vortex on the northeast side of things, right? So it was freezing. It was negative degrees, negative 5, negative 10. I, I don't remember because once you get into the negative 5 range, it doesn't really matter, man. It's hard to breathe. It's so So, so when we say cold, you can deal with 30s, you can deal with 20s you start getting down to the tens, you, you, it's frigid, right? But when you get negative, which is, again, what the game is supposed to be like, you get into the negative 20-plus wind chill. I don't think people are talking about this, the conditioning aspect. Okay, Now, when I say conditioning, it's hard to breathe when it gets that low. And I'm not saying you're soft. I'm not saying, I know there's people saying, yeah, well, they're playing football, they're moving. Right. I, I'm with you. But people aren't talking about the conditioning aspect of when it is that cold. It's hard to take a deep breath. It's hard to get the oxygen going through your body. It feels different. Again, I have been there. You feel out of breath. You get out of breath quickly. So my thought process is, who does this benefit? Who does this help? Let's just say, for example... Uh, the Miami Dolphins, they typically roll with two wide receivers consistently at the Let's just say hypothetically Jalen Waddle is playing. He's trending towards playing. So you have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle who play the majority, if not all, of the snaps at wide receiver. How does this weather affect their conditioning? How does Tyreek's ankle how does Tyreek's banged up ankle that he's messed up a few times now towards the tail end of the season, how does that hit how does that affect him in the cold, coupled with the fact it might affect some conditioning? Running the football. The linebackers, the safeties, the cornerbacks. Again, it's twofold. Legereus, Trent McDuffie, they don't come off the field. The Chiefs linebackers, they at least go four deep. If you count Cam Jones in week 18 against the Chargers, maybe you can say they go five deep. Again, that's somewhat of a, uh, of a joke there. Point is, there might be more shuffling of guys in and out than you might expect. There might be a higher reliance on depth than people are giving credence to. So... I don't want to talk about the weather too much longer with you guys right now to start the show, because I guarantee you I will talk about it more with a lot of our guests. But again, an under talked about aspect is the conditioning factor when it is that cold. Something to keep an eye on, and I will say the depth. Doesn't that favor Kansas City? Doesn't the depth that we've talked about that we've talked about all season long, offense, eh, but especially defensively? Against a defense in Miami who was without Bradley Chubb, who was without Xavier Howard, who was without Van Ginkle, who was without uh, their best rusher in Jalen Phillips? Doesn't this behoove Kansas City, who go deep, not just in the defensive line, not just at linebacker, but in the secondary as well? Something to keep in mind. One year Morris is now officially out, uh, not passing concussion protocol. He is listed as out for this game. No, Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon placed on the IR, which, again, I go back and wonder, were those 21 carries for LaMichael Piron Week 18 when I was surprised you weren't seeing Daneric Prince, when I was surprised you weren't seeing even maybe a smattering of Keontae Ingram? Well, the Chiefs obviously know more than we do, and I think – That was a tryout for LaMichael Pirine. If that was a tryout, I think he passed. I think you uh, can now say comfortably, if you have to break in case of emergency, again, if conditioning is an issue with Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde, and then you have to have a third guy come in uh, sparingly, do you trust that guy? I think the issue right now is a resounding yes. I think the Chiefs would trust LaMichael Pirine. Uh, and then McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman had a great game. Uh, played all 58 snaps. To an extent, I think that was a tryout for McCole. The one thing that gives me a little cause to pause. He looked great outside of one drop. Right, the one drop. I'm okay. Quite frankly, he wanted to feel like a chief. He wanted to feel like a chief wide receiver. He wanted to drop that ball. I get it. He, he didn't want to show up his his wide receiver brethren. I understand. Yeah, he wanted to fit in. He wanted to fit in. I get it. it, it, it he wanted to be popular. Okay, that's fine. He also hasn't been playing a ton. He's been banged up a little bit, so a drop happens here and there. The one that gives me concern, though, the deep ball. When he gave up on the deep ball, whether that was a a route that he was not aware of, whether he just gave up on the ball, but it wasn't just those two things. It was the fact that after it was picked off, the effort. That is something that it seems like the Chiefs and Andy Reid will not stand for. I know he played 100% of snaps in that game, but you're not getting Rasheed Rice suited up just to go back in. I know he was out that game, so you're not putting MVS back in the game who apparently the Chiefs think the world of. So the point remains, how much will we see McCole Hardman? Because I thought he was very impressive, showed off very strong hands. Two catchers specifically stood out to me. One was the slant. Uh, another one where he, he just showed off extremely strong hands, ripped the ball away, was not going uh, to be denied. That, to me, was very impressive. Again, if it were me... I'm giving all the deep ball routes to Justin Watson. Anything else? Give me McColl, MVS, sorry pal, pull up a seat. Grab some chips and nachos, some hand warmers, and one of those big-ass uh, coats, which again, I want one of those coats so bad the players have. Like, why can't I find one? Why can't I find one of those big-ass coats that seemingly could house a family of four? Like, that's bigger than my that's bigger than my master bedroom. Like, those coats, you're telling me right now, uh, Donovan Smith's coat, that that big, uh, that keeps him warm in the wintertime, that ain't going to engulf at least three people? You give me one of those, I'm going to the Chiefs game. You give me one of those, I'll I'll sit top level. I'll sit like Jordan Love's mom up there. You give me one of those coats, I'll ride it out. Find me one. All right. One last thing that has got my... uh, Caught my ire, if you will. One thing that makes me livid, that irks me. Bleeping Peacock, man. It's not just that the Chiefs are playing on Peacock. I would feel the same way if there was a Week 3 game against the Jets and the Giants. Okay? I hate the fact that a billion-dollar corporation isn't making enough. Aren't they also? Correct me if I'm wrong here. A non-for-profit and yet they're gonna try and squeeze every single dollar out of you. The NFL clearly is not making enough. They gotta make another five ninety nine from folk going to Peacock on NBC Right, like that just irritates me, and not just for the money aspect. Because again, for me it's principle. Like I, I I hate when people are like, Oh, you don't have five ninety-nine? It's like, no, that's not the point. It's the principle behind it. Okay? It's the principle behind the fact that they are already squeezing every last cent out of you, and they still want more, more, more. It's the principle behind this move. And it doesn't stop there. Think about the older folks who might not be as technologically advanced. You don't have to be older. I'm not technologically advanced at all. If I didn't have my fiancé, I'd be lost. Dog, I have zero ability when it comes to technology. Okay, But think of older people. I know for a fact my grandpa, if he wanted to watch the game, he could not. For a fact, I know he would have zero idea of how to get this going. Can't help him. He lives out of state. Like, I don't understand why they're making it harder for people to consume their product. Again, we're not talking about week three. We're not talking about a startup organization. Uh, I heard someone the other day say pickleball. This was a pickleball league and they were getting offered a hundred plus million dollars to stream exclusively on something. Well, yeah, they need that money. That's to keep them afloat, baby. NFL is already afloat. (laughs) They couldn't float more. So much buoyancy in in this NFL product. Don't make it harder to consume. Don't take away and kick out some of the Less advanced technologically, folks that want to consume and watch your product. Again, not week two, not preseason. A playoff game. Again, if you're in Kansas City, we are fine. But what if you're a Chiefs fan and you're not from Kansas City? You might be screwed. Again, think of the people, the older people. Think of people in your life that might not have the ability. It might confuse, it might be too difficult their their, t- their TV might not even have the ability. Think of that, too. You have to have the right. TV with the ability. Yeah, not everybody
1: has a smart TV with all the apps on With it.
0: all the apps on it. I'm saying right now, man, like... I wish the NFL would think, they need to go to a bar and all that stuff. I get it. Oh, no, pull my arm. Make me go to a bar. I get it. But, but still, it's a thought process. It is the principle. Very glad, to an extent, the, the Peacock game for my sake, again, this is selfish, is a Chiefs game. Because I don't know if I'd w- I'd be forced to. I'd, I'd go to a bar before I do that. Same thing when Amazon Prime took over, right. and they had the Amazon Prime games mm-hmm. on Thursday. I would spend more money and go to a bar than download that and pay an extra five ninety nine, whatever it was, a month. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I am proving a point. You might ask yourself, Sterling, you don't have Amazon Prime? No. Proving a point, baby. <laughs> Sting it to the man. What they have succeeded
1: at is I guess getting groups of people together to watch it at somebody else's place, you know? I got Peacock. I paid the five ninety nine. Everybody come over to my house and watch.
0: Which I'm sure is not what they want. Yeah.
1: It's like, what you it's like
0: pay-per-view. They don't want that either because pay-per-view, they want as many people buying it as possible, yeah. not not having a party of 70.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's all I have to say. I'm irate. I'm livid. I'm irked. They have my ire. Yeah. Charles and Aminihu was
1: irked, too. I don't know if you saw from his Twitter account. I did not what, what uh Charles O this is uh, this is a couple days ago uh, on the ninth. Uh, he said I saw the comments and want y'all to be able to watch us play. so I'm giving away ninety three month peacock
0: memberships. That's awesome. yeah his number
1: oh I, good good call. yeah <laughs> I, I, I was
0: about to say I, I hope you picked up on that but if not uh, his number is ninety. All right. We'll go there. I wasn't planning on talking about Charles Amenehu, but before we go to break and bring on uh, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry, how good has Charles Aminahu been in this stretch run for Kansas City? How good has he been getting after the quarterback, especially when Chris Jones is getting double teamed? How good has Charles Amenehu been in regards to getting his hands up and trying to affect the pass, even if he knows he is not going to get to the quarterback? His run defense uh, at times has been um, less than perfect, and he's going to have to step up big against a team like the Miami Dolphins who try and get horizontal on you very, very quickly. He's going to have to set the edge. But again, I have been very impressed with Charles Amenehu. When he, when he first got um, reactivated, right for suspension, great first game, remember? First game back, he was a menace out there. And then he had a little cooling off period where you're sitting there going, man, I not seeing a lot from him. But then, as the season progressed, and as we're getting now into the playoffs, he is peaking at the right time. You see why all of the more analytical folks were so high when you polled some of those anonymous front office members in the NFL. They all said an underrated move was the Chiefs getting Charles Menehu. And now you're seeing why. It's an added addition next to Chris Jones. You have uh, Mike Dana, who's been perpetually underrated. You have George Karlovtis, who... Again, this is why I like George Carlox before the Chiefs even signed him and drafted him, I should say. Because he's going to be an 8-12 to sack guy year after year after year. Yeah, he's not going to be a a high upside, realistically, 16-17-18 sack guy. But you don't necessarily need him to, right? He is a great second option. He's a great... uh, Dude who can stop the run? He's a guy who's going to have a motor. You can put it in a plug and play. A ton of snaps with Carl Loftus, and he will be fairly above average productive. Right? Carl Loftus ten and a half sacks. That is what I expected. That's what you needed. That is what you. That's what he gave you. Okay. Love Carl Loftus, but if you want a little higher upside guy, a little bit more athletically gifted, that's Charles Aminahu. Yeah. Which also, by the way, the bringing in of Charles Aminahu, the drafting of George Karloftis allows you to try and take a shot on a, a potential higher upside guy in FAU, right? Again, not saying Karloftis does not have upside. He was drafted very young. He came from Greece. He hasn't played football his entire life, right? Like, there's a lot of reason to believe there's, there's more left in the tank for him. But again, just body type-wise, maybe not going to be a, a, a Miles Garrett, a, a TJ Watt, a Joey Bosa, okay? But in FAU, you, you're taking a shot on a more athletic guy. You're hoping you can reach the ceiling, less of a floor, more of a ceiling type of guy. Because you bring in a Minahou, because you signed and drafted Karloftis, you can take a shot. Dana, Karloftis, and Minahu have been electric. But this game in particular is going to test them in ways they've not been tested yet, right? Obviously, they had Miami one time in, in Germany, but that was without Devon Achan, a guy who was averaging 7.8 yards per carry. Setting the edge, especially in the cold, will be paramount in this game, we will take a break. Come back. We'll be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry at the Home Stretch Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Welcome again to the Home Stretch Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker
2: Nick Lowry. Nick, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm actually coming in for the game. And, uh, you know, uh, we tend to remember the really cold games. <laughs> I'll never forget 33 years ago with a guy named Joe Montana and Marcus Allen at the helm that, uh, JJ, my buddy JJ Burton making a big catch. Uh, you know, we found a way in a really cold game to beat the Steelers in overtime. But, uh, this game's going to be even colder. And I just think uh, one nice thing about the Chiefs, they, they seem to play pretty well in cold weather.
0: Hey, how do you view this game? Because obviously you've played in cold weather yourself. How much different does the game feel? Do you do you feel different just at the beginning? How, how do you try and keep your body warm on the sideline? And also just as a kicker, how much different is it kicking a ball that is that hard, that cold? How much distance makes a difference on this one? <laughs>
2: Well, the ball will go probably anywhere between 6 and 8 yards less in that, and maybe even 10, but probably about 6 or 8 yards less distance. And then it depends. It's I think they say 15-mile-an-hour winds. Um, and you have to run on the field and figure it out. I saw that at the game on Sunday. I, I saw Tommy Townsend going out there several times, even though it's a covered stadium and it's got some uh, open ends. Uh, up top, so a little bit of win there. In a, in a game like this, though, it does affect it. Uh, running game becomes more important, and staying warm. When you're in the game and you're playing fifty, sixty snaps, you're going to naturally stay warm. My my buddy Reggie Williams, who played at Dartmouth with me, was an outstanding number fifty-seven linebacker. in the Bengals Hall of Fame. Played in that sixty-seven or sixty-nine degree wind chill below zero game with dan fouts way way back and he went out with you know bare arms Uh, you know sometimes it's a it's an attitude i'll never forget we played in the last game ever at minnesota's old outdoor stadium where both teams were on the sunshine side of the field because the the shaded side of the field was just solid rock ice and um one of the guys that was on the punt team forgot to run out because he was warming his hands in front of the blowers. So Marv Levy literally in the first quarter turned off the blowers and so for about five minutes I was panicking, you know? And then after a while you're like, eh, it's okay. I'll be all right. Um and so I think there is definitely a mental side to it. I think we have the edge. Uh Tua Tag Taoloa has had um no games under twenty degrees. Tariq Hill, on the other hand, is very comfortable with it. And to be able to run with functional speed, meaning you're not only fast straight ahead, but but you can be agile and cut. Uh, I'm I'm worried about Tariq Hill for revenge purposes, for the fact that we beat them in the Germany game. You know, to me, uh, that's the easy thing to say is we've got to shut down, Tariq. And then you've got what, Waddell back. And you got uh probably got Mostert back who scored a lot of touchdowns, so you know we'll have our work cut out for us. The good news is that maybe just maybe we may have a little bit of an advantage for our offense because Brad Chubb is out Phillips is out Ben Ginko is an outstanding all these outside linebackers are out Baker and inside linebacker is out so you know the ability to to have tight coverage particularly on Travis Kelsey should be diminished, and, uh, you know, with a week off, I was watching him, and he's in his hoodie on the sidelines, never dressed, didn't, and I, you know, give him credit for not being transfixed by having to get 16 yards to have to preserve his eight consecutive year of over a 1,000 yards, I think. Travis should be fresh. We need him fresh. Pacheco came back from his previous injury and was, you know, 18 carries for 130 <laughs> yards. He should be fresh. Rasheed Rice should be healthier. Um, so, you know, in the end, you got to run the ball in really, really cold conditions. Uh, but a guy named Patrick Mahomes plays well in cold weather. Yeah, you remember the uh, AFC Championship game, his first big one, where we, you know, we had. uh d Ford offside by about two inches uh, on that interception that would have won the game for us, but we played a tremendous game. Both teams played great, but Patrick was awesome, and that was a really cold game. So, you know, with a lot of different personnel over the years, but, uh, I think this team that Kansas City sees play well in cold weather, it definitely makes you have to decide, am I gonna be committed? Am I gonna be ready? And perhaps just throwing in, if this was a recipe, The recipe, to some degree, I think it's fair to say, is these guys have been in the playoffs five straight AFC championship games, and now here's a sixth straight year in the playoffs, you know, um, after this run of excellence. And maybe to some small degree, it's like, hey, let's get to the playoffs, right? Yeah. So I'm hoping that's something of the case. What has been missing, and we have to mention this, is lack of imaginative play calling. So with the Chiefs playing extremely vanilla football, frankly, I mean, I, I really was you know, pretty happy with uh, Blake Gabbard coming, but he looked very uninspired. His body language was very uncharismatic. Really surprised me that, you know, in, in this game, uh, and somehow we found a way to win, and Harrison Butker again mm-hmm. came through with a big kick, And so we made it through and won a game somehow, even though we had only, you know, six points on offense. Are you kidding me? So um, with a week's rest, Andy Reid teams play really well after a bye week. So I'm somewhat optimistic that we can, uh, as long as we don't turn the ball over – I think we're going to win by seven points.
0: Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. I know you said as long as the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, but that's been an issue for Kansas City all season long. It's been turnovers. It's been penalties. It's been drops. Where do the Chiefs have to go? Is a week off going to be enough to focus them up? Or quite frankly, having a week off, is that going to make them even more rusty? I know you talked about it going into this game, how potentially you might even consider giving Mahomes and some of these guys a drive, a two, uh, maybe even a quarter just to keep, yep. keep, keep, just to keep, keep fresh. What is your take on this as they head into uh, this playoff game?
2: Well, you know, Rasheed Rice probably needed a week just, you know, to be fresh in terms of uh, injury. But we've had an issue uh, all season long, starting with Kadarius Toney's you know, <laughs> first game and the way – and, of course, Travis Kelsey was not there, so there was more pressure in that opening game against Detroit with all those drops. But we really have not completely solved that. I'm hoping that Richie James and Rasheed Rice um, are going to show something, Justin uh, Watson – but more, I think it's also the imaginative play calling to create those those mismatches as well, especially when you have a completely uh, depleted outside linebacker core with Miami. uh, should help Travis in a big way. They're going to try to jam the hell out of him at the line of scrimmage, but he should be fresh. And I look for Travis to have, to be, have a Travis kind of game, at least one touchdown, close to 100 yards uh, receiving, and creating that spark that has been missing for most of the last couple months.
0: In regards to the Chiefs' defense, obviously last time the Chiefs played the Dolphins in Germany, the Dolphins did not have Devon Achan, their electric running back, who is averaging 7.8 yards per carry, which is just absolutely absurd. How do you think the Chiefs' defense in totality handles a guy who's as explosive, as quick, as fast as Devon Achan?
2: Well, that's especially in cold weather that is absolutely going to be a big challenge. It's going to be interesting because, you know, our offense should have a little bit of an advantage over uh past weeks and uh, you know, our defense which has been very good, um maybe with a little bit more rest, uh they'll be more effective, but in the end in incredibly cold weather, stopping the running game is everything. And by the way, their run defense was pretty good. They shut Derrick Henry down to, I think, 17 carries for 34 yards back about three weeks ago, so four weeks ago. So um, they can be pretty good, uh, but we have to. If we shut down their run, I just don't see Tua being uh, that effective, but I do see Tariq being on a mission, and so we'll have to come up with something that's uh, you know a combination of what was successful in the Germany game but a new look as well. And uh, we'll have to see.
0: I was going to ask you, because obviously you played in multiple playoff games yourself. Uh, Again, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. How much of an advantage is it for a team like Kansas City who has been there, they've been to the pinnacle, they have won? And even as a kicker, for example, Harrison Butker, right? He's been to the playoffs. He's made some of the biggest kicks on the biggest stage. Knowing that you have done it before, does that give you a mental edge? Or to an extent, is that slightly overblown?
2: No, it makes a big difference. I mean, when you look down the sidelines and you've got Marcus Allen and Derek Thomas and Joe Montana and Neil Smith and, and on and on, you know, that makes a difference. The Guys that have been there before, and this team has, you know, the players that we've come to know and love. Uh, there's been turnover, but, I mean, some of the basic guys are still there, and Chris Jones, obviously, uh, with <laughs> an interesting sack there in the second half. Um, you know, I, I think, um, the experience does make a difference. Uh, you, you tend to want to, I tell people really what it is, is not being some superhuman version of yourself. It's returning to who you've always been. It's just being able to relax and play your game. You know, just, when it's hard to explain it when you say it's just another game, it's not just another game, but you got to return to that and create mental mechanisms to just enjoy the game and stay in the flow and not think about you know, the bigger picture, but more just what do I have to do the next, you know, one minute?
0: How, how do you think Steve Spagnuolo is going to try and attack Tua Tagovailoa? Because Tua is obviously a solid quarterback, but he has to get the ball out quick. If he does not get the ball out quick, he's very prone to hanging onto the ball a long time, and he does not move great. How, how do you think Steve Spagnuolo will try and pressure Tua in this game?
2: Well, I go back to the fact that we've got to shut down the running game so that we know you know, the percentages are that he's going to have to pass. And then we're going to have to make him move, what, what other teams try to do against Patrick. But the advantage is that Tua is not as mobile as Patrick. Uh, he can be very accurate. He threw for 4,600, the most 4,624 passing yards, mm-hmm. you know, the most in the NFL. Uh, but they're a different team on the road doesn't mean that they're going to be easy, uh, but you've got to keep him really unsure of where the rush is going to come from, and you have that rush on almost every play. Somebody coming from an unpredictable angle to make him have to think and hesitate a little bit longer.
0: Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. As always, Nick Lowry is brought to you by El Bandido Yankee Tequila, the absolute best tequila out there. It is so smooth. Uh, it, it, during a game that's going to be potentially to negative 30-degree windshields, maybe pregame, uh, what, what do you say, Nick? Crack open a little
2: El Bandito Yankee Tequila, try and stay warm? I say, everyone, bring your hot chocolate and your El Bandido. Uh, I've tested it. I did a lot of scientific testing, <laughs> and a shot of El Bandito Yankee Blanc or reposado in your hot chocolate will. Uh, you need two of the minimum of two of those uh, in the game. Probably three now with with the weather. Uh, and those will insulate you and help you have the kind of attitude where you could probably run on the field and hit somebody. (laughs) And again, don't
0: run on the field. Please do not run on the field, and for sure, don't hit someone. (laughs) Uh, All right, Nick, it's time for
2: the... You'll probably get hit. (laughs) You'll probably get hit if you do.
0: (laughs) Time for the El Benito Yankee Tequila Player of the Game. You've thrown a few names out there already. Who are you tabbing to have the biggest game for Kansas City against Miami?
2: Uh, Number one, Travis Kelsey. He has to show up. He had 16 yards two weeks ago uh, and has looked run down. Uh, I'm looking for him to be the leader, to be the phenomenal first ballot Hall of Famer he is with his electricity, with his energy on the sidelines. And number two, absolutely, the hats on LeJarius Sneed, who has shut down every single outstanding wide receiver in the NFL this year. Uh, We need him to have a superlative game and to take Tariq out, you know, hold him to just, you know, manageable. Uh, I think we had a nice fumble recovery in that too, right? We stripped yeah. the ball and had a nice, you uh, know, really game-turning play there. Uh, if, we can, if we can turn the ball over, the biggest lack, because the defense has been excellent, but has not been excellent at turning the ball over. Yeah, That's something we need to see. One interception, one fumble return will absolutely make all the difference.
0: All right, score prediction time. I, I think I know which way you're trending, but i got to get it on record, Nick. Score prediction: Chiefs, Dolphins.
2: Chiefs twenty, Dolphins fourteen.
0: Love it! You know what that means, everyone. That's a Chiefs victory, which means bust out the celebratory El Bendido Yankee tequila. Stop by your local High V or wherever else.
2: Local incredible Our delicious gomers.
0: products are stop sold. By
2: Grand Saloon. Yeah, we got to celebrate. Let's start with celebration. Uh, That sort of uh, uh, big attitude, you know, not the arrogance that we've already won the game. It's going to be a battle. Every game has been a battle this year. But maybe this is the awakening of the Chiefs we've always known. These are champions. These are still the reigning Super Bowl champions, and champions come through when it matters most.
0: Champions come through when it matters most. Just like Nick Lowry, anytime you want to talk to him before a big Chiefs game, Nick, always a pleasure.
2: Thank you, brother. Go Chiefs. Stay warm, bro. We'll take a break.
0: Come back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the home stretch. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thank you again to Nick Lowry. I did find that interesting. He says six to eight to potentially ten yards. Can be the difference when you're playing a game this cold. Again, not speculation. This is from a dude who has been there, has played in it, uh, found that pretty interesting. So I wonder how the field goal, um, field goals will will, will make a difference in this game. Butker with a huge leg, but still something to uh, keep in mind. And also, maybe underrated, what do kickoffs look like? Will there be fewer touchbacks if the ball is not carrying as far? All right. All right. I did an interview with uh, Troy Polamalu the other day. Um, Had a blast talking with Troy. Um, I did it for uh, Stacking the Box, a podcast that I do. It's a NFL podcast. If you want to follow it on uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, you can. You can always follow me on Twitter to find all of that as well, at HomestretchKC. But here is my interview when I sat down and talked with Steelers, all-time safety, all-time legend, Super Bowl champion, not once but twice, defensive MVP, Troy Polamalu. Sterling Holmes with stacking the box and fan sided joined now by two-time Super Bowl champion, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, one of the greatest safeties of all time, Troy Polamalu. Troy, how are you?
3: I'm well, thank you, Sterling. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I know we, we were laughing a little bit earlier. You're in San Diego where it's nice <laughs> and warm as I'm looking outside, about six inches of snow. But the taste mm-hmm. of Super Bowl, the taste of Super Bowl commercial, which is coming out during the Super Bowl, the commercial unites NFL football legends Rob Gronkowski, Marshawn Lynch, yourself, as you rediscover the taste of victory, this time with a chip-inspired twist. Can you talk about your just partnership with Frito-Lay and a little bit about this commercial?
3: Well, I think what's funny is the the commercial actually describes it perfectly. The because you do have the taste, but then as soon as you have the crunch, you have the confetti. So it's it, it, it's it's a celebration. So I think that's one thing that the brand, uh, Frito Lay's, and and being part of the Super Bowl, just the nostalgia that that brings, the you know the the happy memories that that brings, and. Um, and to me, it, it actually brings up even better memories of, as a kid growing up and always having laced potato chips as part of a sandwich or whatnot. Um, so it's it's been great to also team up with Rob and, and Marshawn. Those guys are, are, are great characters, man.
0: Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't stick with the commercial theme for just one more. Patrick Mahomes, as I sit here in Kansas City, obviously, he is the talk of the town. Uh, but you did a commercial with him in the past. Did you have a chance to actually be on set with him, your interactions with him, and just your overall thoughts on the two-time Super Bowl champion?
3: So, you know, what's actually really cool is, is I, I – I, met him even at his rookie year before he started getting i mean he and I get a lot of rookie success, but it, before he won Super Bowls and whatnot um so it's been cool to be able to like see him every year every off season you know we get together to shoot these commercials, and he's never changed the whole time he's such a i mean i I can never stop talking good about him to be honest with you to anybody that asked me about him um so he's, he's, he's amazing. He's everything that, that you, that what you see is what you get. Um, he's, um, never changed from the moment I met him his rookie year to, to, you know, what he's become now. Just,
0: I have to ask because th- this was. For me growing up, one of the coolest things was you timing up the snap and jumping over the line. Obviously, I'm sure you're asked about this all the time, but going back to the first time you did it, was that something that you just, you had a good feel for? Did one of your coaches tell you? What was the thought process when you go, I am going to time this up?
3: You know, what's funny about it is I I just, I didn't think about it. Sometimes (laughs) I just found myself just like, like going and doing it. And that's the best way that I can explain it, because <laughs> I'll be very honest. When I thought about it, that's when I jumped off sides. It's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Then that's when I would jump off sides. So sometimes I would just like, and that's where to me is where I started to understand myself as a player. It's like I had to really, really overly prepare so that I could just be free and let it flow out there and just trust my instincts rather than be like, oh, this is place coming. Just do that. He's going to do this and do this. And you start overthinking things, and that's when you make that mistake rather than just, like, you know, like, just immersing yourself in preparation, making sure that you all your I's and T's are dotted and whatnot. So um, that's, that, that's, that's what, was, what my process was.
0: When you would get back to the sideline, especially the first time, what was the reaction from your coach? Because, again, if they don't know that's coming – you time it up that perfectly. He's probably just sitting there, just sweating bullets, going, "How how was that not offside? That what, what was that reaction like?"
3: Uh, you know, what's funny is, is uh, we 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 would always watch film together as a team. We would skip over those because you watching, we skip over. Them. I'm like, oh, I wanted to watch that play.
0: <laughs> they, they don't want anyone getting any ideas Or sitting there going, no, you, you, you did it We're done, we're done no, As um, soon as
3: I see something, I'm to. oh, I want to do No, here's, here's how great of a coach is he's, To be very frank with you He knew I wanted to stroke my ego He, he wouldn't be <laughs> into me I'm like, oh, I want to see that play I'm Like, nope, next play
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Mike Tomlin was your coach For a, a good chunk of your career there What makes him so good? What makes him stand out? Just his perpetual ability to seemingly get the best out of his teams. I mean, you look at them this year, Steelers 10 and seven, they're in the playoffs, but you look at that roster. And a lot of people probably don't have them in the playoffs yet. There they are yet again. What makes Mike Tomlin so special?
3: You know, he's a man of integrity. I think that's important. I think he holds up people, everybody accountable. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, he has a a really cool saying. He says I don't I, I I don't treat everybody the same, but I treat them fairly. Um, you know, because you uh, with a, with a locker room full of of different cultures, people of different um religious people, different levels of their career, I felt like he was able to really connect with with, with players on a more human level. Including the fact that he's an amazing tactician and what, and the way that he sees the game from a tactical, uh, secondary offense and all, and all that sort of thing. Um, so to me, it's just a, a really well-rounded individual well-rounded coach that, that's a, that's awesome. I mean, I've had him. I've had Bill Cower. I've had Pete Carroll had three hall, of, two Hall of Fame coaches. He's no doubt, um, just as good as, as, as the other two.
0: Yeah, I mean, think of that. He's going to most likely end up in the Hall of Fame. Those three guys, not a bad group to have uh helping lead your guys' teams. How much of a difference is it for guys who grow up in warm climates, typically play in warm climates, and then they're forced to play in the cold? For example, Dolphins traveling to Kansas City, it is going to be uh, probably in the negatives. Is it overblown, that talk? For example, Tua Tagovailoa, right? Hawaii to Alabama and then now Miami, right? That's warm weather all across the board. You know, is there actually a massive difference there for those guys or is it kind of suck for everyone?
3: So what's really funny is um, I like I understand the mind frame of an athlete, but I'm a retired softy right now. <laughs> I was in Columbus, Ohio last week and I walk out of the airport and I was like, it's got to be 11 degrees out of here. And and my friend was like, no, uh, it's 39 degrees, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I could not believe I could not believe that, like you know, because I, to me sometimes this is what makes like a Midwesterner like, ugh, you know, the grit. You gotta gotta wake up. You gotta you know scrape you know the your 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 windshield off with your credit card and your <laughs> driver's license and all this sort of stuff when. I'm living in San Diego and I don't have to do that now. <laughs> there's, a, there's just a certain grit, you know, icing your driveway and these sort of things. So do I do, I'll, I'll say this in Pittsburgh, I loved it. We wore it. I wanted it to be miserable. And just as a, as a defensive player, like the more miserable you can make it to me, that's, that's where I felt that uh, we, or as a defense thrived is the more miserable it was, the more it was better for the defense. Um, So I think it's to an advantage, but it depends on what kind of team you have. You know, if you're, if you are, are, you know, the greatest show on turf, you know what I mean? It's not to your advantage. So um, what I have loved about, about Ben, including like Patrick is they're great bad weather quarterbacks. So it does not matter the conditions. So to me, that's what, that's what, where, where you do worry about like, oh man, there's these guys coming from San Diego, coming from Miami, wherever these places. And there is a different lifestyle that's associated with, you know, waking up and it's 85 degrees. And I love it. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> i love it.
0: <laughs> very jealous. You're talking about scraping off your car. I'm sitting here going, oh, yeah, that's the, that's this morning. Um, yeah. I, I want to stick with the chiefs theme for just one more question as far as the Chiefs side of things here. And uh, hopefully this is not bad blood by any means. But is it true that against the chiefs, Larry Johnson pulled you down by the hair in order to tackle you? And then afterwards, you put an insurance policy out on your hair.
3: <laughs> wow, that's incredible! That that's really incredible. Uh Yeah, that's so true. But the origin, events, and the story of how you put it together is completely false. Let's <laughs> get it. How, how so did how to happen? What did happen is, this <laughs> girl did tackle me about my hair. But as part of the campaign for Head and Shoulders, they did insure my hair as oh. part of. Thing, <laughs> that's so, yes, absolutely. But that is the amazing. Together, hey, there we go, man. That's a, that's a great story. But that,
0: that's just uh rumblings <laughs> on the internet, right there. Try, try to find something something unique. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, as far as your illustrious career, you, you have so many everything from sacks to interceptions to forcing a fumble. So I think you're pretty qualified to answer this one. What what's the best experience of the three? Picking a quarterback off, sacking a quarterback, forcing a fumble. What was more fun for you?
3: Um, I would say I almost two, they're equal. So I would say um, one is interceptions, of course. The yeah. game's always about the ball, and you can never score without it. You can't win without it. So that's first and foremost. Aside from the fact that when you do get inter- interceptions – you're telling the quarterback and the offensive coordinator that you're smarter than them. So that, to me, is also and that you've got and and that and that there's a little hair trigger in you that if you test me again, I'm going to do it again. You know what I mean? So like there there is some some psychological play to that. But also, there's nothing better than getting a quarterback sack and having your whole entire team on the other side of the line of scrimmage celebrating in their backfield. That psychologically. Is killer to the entire offense. So to me, um, they're they're almost equally, but obviously the ball's more important. But both of them have a multi-dimensional, um, you know, impact.
0: Uh, Troy, before I let you go, one more time, can you talk about the partnership with Frito Lay? Your favorite snack of theirs, and your pick for Super Bowl champion.
3: So my favorite, my favorite snack is co cool Ranch Doritos. Be um, oh, yeah. Five is not everybody's favorite snack. I think it should be made into a steak seasoning sauce, put on seeds. You know, we put on shrimp.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Now we're talking. <laughs> there's, there's nothing about that. Um, but we also, um, have a, a Frito-Lay, uh, chip strip. Um, on, uh, we'll be there during Super Bowl week in Vegas as well. So excited to be part of this partnership with, with Rob and, and, and Marshawn.
0: And Super Bowl champion, who do you got? I know you tried ducking that I'm, one. I'm, I know it's still rooting for you. i
3: for the Steelers. Of course, I'm always rooting for the Steelers. I'm always rooting for the, the the, the, the um you know, the Kansas City Chiefs and and Patrick as well. So um, between those two, you know, I hope that I hope, I, you know, I hope the best win, So
0: <laughs> Two-time Super Bowl champion, NFL defensive player of the year, Troy Palamalu. Troy, thank you so much.
3: Thank you very much. I appreciate it, man.
0: Welcome again to Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by Alfredo Ortega from the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast covering the Dolphins on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Alfredo, how are you?
4: I'm doing good.
0: Uh, I hope you're doing good because the uh, the game this weekend is going to be cold, cold, cold. So if you're going, you might not be doing very well. But I'm really looking forward to this matchup between the Dolphins and the Chiefs in a game where they played once in Germany. You could not have different weather this upcoming weekend on Saturday. Uh, first question for you. Will Mike McDaniel, Rocky, I wish you were colder shirt this time around.
4: Uh, I don't know if he'll do that, but he's been talking about about it all week, and he seems to want to remind the media that he wore that shirt and the team played pretty good, which is to say that they blew a nine-point lead with four minutes to go in Buffalo in the snow with – 22 degrees weather but but yes uh i do not think he's wearing that shirt this time around but he's made everybody aware of how cold it will be
5: just
0: speaking of buffalo how big of a letdown was week 18 i mean you you win you play at home you're the two seed you lose now you have to travel on the road i mean even back then they probably didn't think it would be this cold but what were the um feelings surrounding the team after such a big letdown
4: uh, there was a, uh, you know, and I thought it was a, a really good sign when on Hard knocks you could see that the head coach used the word fail because it's something that they talked about for an entire offseason, really, since April. They talked about the goal being winning the AFC East. They had a three game lead. They lose two games down the stretch, and then they lose the essential championship game at home against the Bills. And it's the way that they lost it. Uh, coming into the game, you expected the defense to be weakened since they lost four edge rushers, then they lose two more in that game. They didn't have a safety. They didn't have Xavier Howard. Javon Holland only played a few snaps and then had to leave the game. And the one unit that stood up the entire game was the defense. They actually got three turnovers from Josh Allen, and the offense kind of failed down the stretch after having a very productive first half. So it's the way that they lost, but the feeling of, like, failure is, is there, and they're acknowledging it, like, they realize what happened, and they're not—they're not whistling past the graveyard. They know that they made a mistake. That that was a pretty big failure in their season.
0: Well, well, in regards to all of the injuries, I mean, it looks like now they have the former Chiefs old folks home at outside linebacker with Emmanuel Ogba. They signed Justin Houston. Obviously uh, Van Ginkle is injured. Bradley Chubb is injured. Uh, They have Melvin Ingram now, and as well as, obviously, the big loss was Jalen Phillips, but he's been gone for a while now. Just the injuries in general. Looks like Xavier Howard is going to be out, one of the best cornerbacks alongside Jalen Ramsey. What is the defense looking like as they head to Arrowhead, especially at the Outside linebacker position.
4: Well, the good news is that Vic Fangio seemed to have adjusted and called a little bit more conservative coverages, but mixed in a few more blitzes. If that makes any sense against the Bills. But uh, yeah, they're, they're going to they're essentially going to roll out their fifty fronts, and that's going to be the strength of their of their team, which is the interior. They still have Christian Wilkins and Zach Seeler, who, in my opinion, are the best defensive tackle tandem. In the NFL, that's ten and nine sacks respectively, and they're going to roll out Raquan Davis as the nose, and then just they're going to play a host of who's who's from like ten years ago and on the edge, and hope that that works out for them. But I expect them to be extremely conservative against the Chiefs and try to keep everything in front of them, and essentially not allow any chunk plays because uh, if they start allowing chunk plays in that type of weather. It can get pretty hard to come back on a team that can't play defense and can't run the football. In
0: Kansas City, uh, Alfredo Arteaga is our guest. He covers the Dolphins on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Speaking of chunk plays, that happens a lot for the Dolphins, not just through the air but also on the ground. Devon Achan, again, this is so hard to believe, but I keep harping on this: uh, seven point eight yards per carry, which is just absolutely absurd for a guy who's had over a hundred carries this season. Last time in Germany, Raheem Mostert ran for seven point one. Uh, first and foremost, is Raheem Mostert expected to play? Where are your expectations with him? And then, two, are you expecting a heavy dosage of Devon Aitian on the ground?
4: Uh, yes and yes on both. Uh, as as the the news gets worse on defense, the news is actually getting a little bit better on offense. Their offensive line is going to be as healthy as it's been in months, uh, which is to say that you know they're not going to have Connor Williams. He's out for the season. Yeah. But they're essentially going to have pretty much three out of five starters and a guy that was buying for a starting spot in Robert Jones I left guard. It looks like Jalen Waddle will play. It looks like Raheem Mostert will play. And, yes, to Devon, Devon HN, not only did he set an NFL record for yards per carry with 800 yards on 103 carries, that's 7.8 yards per carry, but there was seven games where he touched the ball five times or less this year. It stands to reason that if he played all season, this could have been an all time season for him. He could have been rookie of the year. He could have been the rushing leader. So, yeah, he's a star, and he's going to be important in this game because they're going to have to employ him in the, in the passing game and in the running game because Raheem Mostert's been out for two weeks. I don't think he's go, he's going to be at 100%. I believe he'll contribute in maybe short yardage, but Devon A. Chan should be as much of a bell cow as you can be in this offense.
0: In regards to the Chiefs' defense and how they line up against Miami City, in Germany, I'll say it again now, you know – I'm not worried about Tua Tagovailoa. I'm not worried about Jalen Waddle if he plays. I'm not worried about Tyreek Hill. This Chiefs secondary is the most equipped in the NFL to handle those guys. Where I am worried, again, is in the run game trying to slow it down. The Chiefs have been susceptible to running attacks all season long. But the difference is a lot of those are up the gut. What Miami does is a lot of get out in space on the outside, which creates a lot of one-on-one tackling from corners, where Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed both thrive. They're very good, very willing tacklers at corner, which is a a bit of a surprise in the NFL. How do you expect the Dolphins to try and attack this Chiefs defense?
4: I think they're going to try to use some type of leverage runs uh, against them. Remember that the weather could be prohibitive. Okay, you know, if it's we're talking minus five degrees, that ball is going to be a brick. Uh, You know, passes are not going to be traveling much farther than fifteen yards. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to expect a lot of leverage runs. Playing the hash, playing to the field side, and try to use their speed out on the perimeter and try to force one on one tackles and then try to break those tackles. Simple as that. You have two running backs and Raheem Moser if he plays, which I am expecting him to, and Devon Achan, who has been pretty adept at breaking tackles. So they're gonna have to force those situations. And as far as in the passing game, Toto Valova spoke about it uh, today. He said about he talked about it in Germany that they just could not time their routes for when those blitzes came. So he has, he's going to have to identify with Steve is is going to dial up a blitz to try to take those shots. Because in the history of all these sub-zero games, one thing is always clear. Usually there's some type of shot play that can change the, the trajectory of the game, or there's a team that just you know plucks away and pounds away 250 yards on the ground and wins the game 13-10. I think Miami can do both, but they might need to do both to win the game.
0: Yeah, and that's what I think it comes down to. I think you said it very, uh, very apt right there. It's going to come down to who can limit the big plays, and obviously a big playmaker for Miami is Tyreek Hill. You know... <sighs> I'm intrigued by the matchup with him and Legarius Sneed. But what actually makes, I think, a lot of people in Kansas City here a little bit wary is he's not chirping. You know, the first time around and ever since he was, frankly, he went to Miami, it's always chirping, almost trying to take a shot at Kansas City. You know, Jamar Chase, pre- and post-game, seemingly taking a shot at Kansas City. Yet Tyreek Hill's been pretty calm from the Miami perspective. What does that look like for you guys? Are you liking the little uh, quiet confidence that seems to be permeating from Tyreek Hill.
4: Well, he's a he's a very focused guy, and he just won the team MVP this, for for the season uh, at the banquet, their season ending banquet. And one thing about Tyreek Hill, he's had a very very rough month. Okay, uh, he hurt his ankle pretty bad uh, against the Titans. Then he re-aggravated it, had to sit out a game. Then hurt his quad. Then his house burns down last yeah. week. So. So we're talking about a pretty bad month for him. Uh, he was okay against the Bills, but he was also hobbled. He was in and out of the lineup. Uh, he had a very, very productive season, one of the most productive seasons in his career, but he also played the, the fewest snaps he played since he was a rookie. So, you know, he's been relatively fresh. He's never going to say he's hurt. Yeah. Like, uh, he was approached today, and he was asked in the locker room, how do you feel for this game? He says, Ah, oh, he's 100%. But he doesn't seem 100% but it's 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 a different type of Tyreek cuz he's been, he's been very very talkative but he's had a very very rough Rough
0: month. <laughs> Alfredo Ortega, who covers the Dolphins on the Five Reasons Sports po- uh, Network, is our guest. As far as the weather, that's obviously the main storyline. We start with it, and I want to talk about you or talk with you about Tua. Check again the thought process of how does he perform in cold weather? Obviously, Hawaii to Alabama to Miami. Uh, we, we we talk about last year in the playoffs when uh, they had a chance to beat uh, the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, thirty-four, thirty-one, and came up just short. I know everyone's talking about, hey, yeah, he played great, but. But at the end of the day, that was still a loss. His record in cold-weather games, not ideal. Is there something to that, or do you find it to be a little bit overrated?
4: Uh, I believe it's a little bit overrated because in, in that game uh, in Buffalo, not the playoff game, uh, the one before that, which was in 22-degree weather and in snow flurries a blizzard, uh, Tua played actually great. And with a nine-point lead late in that game, If you watched him play, he had no outcome really to say in that game. He completed a thirty-yard pass on third and like thirteen to drive them down to kick a field goal that they eventually missed, which that would have given them a twelve-point lead. Josh Allen drives down for a touchdown. He drives them again, and they punt inside of the fifty. So he's moving the ball. They just lose. That was always on on the defense. I don't think it's been on him. if there's always been a weather that he's had real challenges with is rain, which is mm-hmm. odd because we live in Miami. <laughs> but he's actually been pretty lucky with that this year because rain has not really – we haven't really had a real rain game this year in Miami. But I don't think snow or, or cold affects him, but this is not normal cold. This is, this is minus 5 degrees. And uh, I've been in 30-degree weather. I've been in 22-degree weather. Uh, it's manageable. You know, yeah. uh, minus five. This is going to be different. It's going to be an odd game to watch. Uh, I don't think we're going to get at minus five degrees. I don't think we're going to get a Patrick Mahomes and a showcase. Mm. I think you're going to get a showcase of which defensive coordinator. And which offensive coordinator can put together the right game plan to just end up with more points than the other team?
0: Yeah, just very quickly. Just I think you brought a very good description there. You know, twenty-two degrees is manageable. Negative five, it's a whole different story. I lived in Philly for three years, and when that nor'easter blew through, uh, it was negative five, and you walk outside, you take a breath. It hurts. It feels different. So I do think there's going to be something to stamina. I wonder how much guys can actually uh, phys- physically handle this. How long can the receivers, the defensive players stay out there and how the rotations end up looking like. Before I let you, before I let you go here, uh, as far as the X factors for Miami, who you tab in to have a big game, some people that Chiefs fans might take a look for?
4: I think that uh, that Tua has, has learned a bit from the absence of Jalen Waddle. Uh, especially by targeting guys that are lesser than Jalen Waddle. And I think he's going to be pleasantly surprised to see Jalen Waddle opposite of Tyreek Hill. There's a stat that's pretty interesting for the first two years. In regular season games, Miami played Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill together at the same time, like 68% of the time. In the playoff game, they played them 89% of the time, Mm. which means that they played them damn near the entire game. So he should have those two targets the entire game. Uh, I do expect the Chiefs to pay a lot of attention to Tyreek Hill, and that's going to give Jalen Waddle some opportunities. He's the X factor. He plays well. they got a chance to win.
0: Uh, I will say this. You're on Kansas City Radio right now. Are you picking Miami? What's your score prediction here? Are you trying to make some folks angry with you?
4: Uh, I do believe Miami has it within them to win this game, and if not now, when? Uh, I think the, the the weather conditions actually favor Miami a little bit. It'll stifle that passing game, uh, especially that intermediate passing game for Pat Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey. Uh, I like our defensive tackles against your run game, so I don't think it's going to be pretty. It's not going to be the most, you know, pleasing-to-the-eye type of game, but something ugly where Miami eats out something like a 20-19 to 19 win is something I expect.
0: Uh, we both have it as a ugly game. The difference is I have the Chiefs winning an ugly game, but again, always appreciate you. Alfredo Ortega from the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast and covering the Dolphins on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Alfredo, really appreciate it.
4: Thank you for
0: having me. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. Sports Radio
4: 810
0: at WHB. Welcome back to the home stretch. Sports Radio 810 at WHB. Again, Sterling Holmes live in studio. Kyle behind the glass. I think it was pretty interesting what uh, Alfredo was saying. Again, thank you to him going behind enemy lines there, talking some Dolphins um, as he covers the Miami Dolphins down there. Nice to get a little uh, opposing team perspective. We're in the same agreement that we think it's going to be ugly, right? I don't know how many people who think it's going to be a high-scoring game, so maybe we're not really going out on a limb there. But I once again am, am thinking and saying, I'm not scared, even if it's 85 and sunny, of Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Tua Tagovailoa. It's Devon Achan. And what I found hit, what I found interesting as uh, he was getting off that and he was giving his final thoughts, he said that he thinks the cold actually benefits the Dolphins. Are you surprised by that? Because I, I think the... Majority of not just Chiefs fans, because obviously we live close here, so we're going to try and find the glass half full approach of how it can help the Chiefs, right? We're going to try and think of how it helps KC and hurts the Dolphins. But if you look around, you know, national media, I would say the majority of folks think that f- folks think that the cold would be a benefactor for the Chiefs. Were you surprised he he, he thought that it might be actually a, a help for the Dolphins?
1: I absolutely was, given the Dolphins' records in games. You know, the last 10 games, under 40 degrees, yeah. 0-10. Yeah. I just based off that stat alone, I, I was surprised to hear him say that. And Kansas City, the Chiefs are in Kansas City. They've been there and done that during cold weather games. Yeah. The Dolphins, they're down in Miami. They play best when when conditions are, you know, proper and warm.
0: I, I guess the thought process is Miami runs the ball they're explosive right. running the ball. If you can get a couple of explosive plays. Because, again, the Chiefs have a decent running attack, right? They, they can run the ball fairly effectively, as we saw the last game Pacheco played and going for 130 yards. Pacheco had a week off. He's healthy. He's right. Well, you'd expect him get, to get a heavy workload and, again, uh, probably try and crest that 100-yard marker, right? If he runs for 100 yards, Pacheco, I think we're all saying all is right. But on the other side of things, it's not like he's the most explosive running back. He's had a couple explosive runs, but I, I don't think anyone is sitting here saying he's the most explosive running back. He's very physical. Yeah. Right? He's physical. No one's taking that away from him in a game that's cold or the Dolphins going to want to try and tackle him in the fourth quarter. Remains to be seen. But what I am at least trying to understand from his side of things, if we're talking about how maybe one or two explosive plays could be the difference in this game, Well, I think the explosive nature clearly would favor the Dolphins then. If that's the way he's trying to go with that, then that makes a little sense. But again, I think this Chiefs defense in totality is exceptional at limiting the big play. Yeah, The Chiefs defense is exceptional at limiting limiting the explosive plays. Now here's why. They're not very aggressive in regards to forcing turnovers. Right, And I don't think this is an accident. I always laugh and say it's the anti-Marcus Peters. Now, this is not me trying to take a shot at Marcus Peters, because Marcus Peters was very good for Kansas City. But it was a different philosophy. That was, bin don't break. And also, you just try and get an interception. You try and force a turnover. You will win the turnover margin. The Chiefs, currently under their hands, say, alright. It started with Treverius Ward, by the way. Stay in the hip pocket. Don't allow the big plays. Eventually the other team will make a mistake. You'll get them behind the sticks. They will punt. That's what this defense does. Right? They're not getting a ton of interceptions. Legarius needs an incredible I a sham. A shame he's not a pro bowler. Yeah. But he is one of the best corners in football. But what does he do? He does not get a lot of interceptions. That's gonna hurt him. Trim McDuffie, same thing, forces some fumbles, a little peanut punch there but is not force a lot of interceptions. He's never had one in the NFL. But how often are they getting beat? How often do you see a guy running down the field for a 60-yard touchdown? Again, Trayvon Diggs is awesome. How many times is Diggs typically getting burnt in a game when he's healthy, when he's not intercepting the ball? Fairly often. So the Chiefs' philosophy is different. They don't give up a lot of explosive plays. And by the way, now talking about the run game here, Sticking with the corners, and the entire secondary for, for a moment here, not only are they great in coverage, especially the corners here, they're great tacklers. They're willing tacklers. They're very physical. How often, when they get one-on-one on the outside with, with someone, do they bring them down? Seems like almost all the time. Look around on Sundays, on Mondays, on Thursdays. You see corners getting... Half-assed efforts. Mm-hmm. You see corners getting their their, their legs broke or getting uh, rolled over. Not McDuffie. Yeah. Not Snead. And then to an extent, not Brian Cook when he's healthy. Obviously, yeah. he's not healthy. I was,
1: was going to bring up Justin, Justin Reed. Reed. He,
0: he, can, he can lay the wood now. <laughs> Justin Reed might be the best covered safety, but he is very physical. And again, why I say those guys specifically in the run game, the Dolphins aren't running up the gut. These aren't halfback dives. These aren't HB guts, baby. They're not following Alec Ingold up the middle a lot. They're following him on the outside. They're trying to get them in space. They're trying to get one-on-ones with the cornerback. But again, why I've said the Dolphins are a really good explosive offense, but I think the Chiefs, as we saw in Germany, and I think we'll see again, they match up very well with the Dolphins' offense. Yeah, they give 7.1 yards a game to Mostert, and again, that's, the, that's the, the the one thing I'm saying that makes me a little cause to pause. But as far as the massively explosive plays, the 40, 50, 60-yard scampers, I don't think we're going to see. I know Devon A. Chan, again, averaging 7.8 yards a carry. I get that he's very explosive. But when you have cornerbacks and secondary members who are that good at tackling, how many blown tackles in the open field will we see? That's what it comes down to. Again, you look around the NFL, how many corners can do what the Chiefs' corners do? Again, they might not get the interception. Chiefs still might lose a turnover battle in this game. But if you win the explosive play battle, I still love the Chiefs' chance of winning. That's what it comes down to. All right, I had a uh, fun interview the other day with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. I uh, want to give a huge shout out to Bounty for setting this interview up. A um, little background here. Second time I've interviewed Jamar Chase, but I'll be frank, I don't think he remembered me, obviously, how many interviews he does. Um, he's a little more quiet, one word answers. Um, T. Higgins was fairly entertaining. I really liked talking with T. He was nice, kind of jovial. It was, it was nice seeing him. Uh, It was funny. In the interview, he had a Cornell Powell jersey hanging up in one corner. Uh, Chiefs, Cornell Powell because of the Clemson tie. I was going to ask. Or or is that because he's coming to KC, right? right (laughs) Uh, But, no, it it was very – I was glad I was able to talk to T and Jamar Chase. Uh, But, again, I asked one Chiefs question. I forgot I did ask one Chiefs question. I asked uh, Jamar about the chirping and the trash talking, right? But I still don't believe they knew I was from Kansas City. I don't think they knew I was a Kansas City guy. Which makes my question, which again, I don't know if it was me or ESPN who asked first. I know that's going around on Twitter, but I, I know it was 11.03 a.m. when I asked this question, so ESPN may have been after, may have been first, get the video first. When I asked who wins the Super Bowl, and their answer, if they didn't know it was from Kansas City, it makes this a lot more Interesting. So, without further ado, here is my interview with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Sterling Holmes with fans sided and in the box. Joined now by what just might be the best wide receiver duo in football: Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Jamar and T. are brought to you by the Ultimate Wingman Bounty, with billions of saucy chicken wings being eaten during the Super Bowl alone. Playoff season means more wings and more messy fingers. Interbounty, Bounty, the ultimate wingman, because you can't have football without wings, and you can't have wings without Bounty, fellas. I said you might be the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to have to imagine you'd pick yourself. So if you can't pick yourself, what wide receiver
5: duo are you picking? Philadelphia. <laughs>
2: yeah,
6: yeah. am to have to go Philly, too. You know, they, they, yeah, they, did, they really did their thing, man.
0: Obviously a big storyline of the off season right now is, is UT Higgins becoming a free agent, at least as of now, you probably have a little bit more information than we do. What are your feelings about potentially entering a new
6: chapter in your career? You know, obviously, you know, I would love to stay with Cincinnati. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's number one, but, you know, you know, if I obviously have to end up, you know, starting a new chapter in my career, um, and that's what it is, you know. Uh, God, God got me, and through any and every situation. And you know, just you know, if it is a new, new, new team, you know, I'm looking forward to it.
0: You're more on your end here. I know you're very open. You got that Reggie Miller in you. You're not afraid to say what is on your mind. Obviously, you have this fun rivalry with Kansas City. What is this like for you? Some of those uh pregame comments that maybe were used as motivation on their end. Any any chirping coming from the players during the game.
5: Yeah, I'm sure everyone they see the uh fight we had and the chirping and altercations and whatnot. But um, at the end of the day it's football, man. It's just me trash talking, trying to get under people's skin just to start a fight like I did. Um and try to get someone else thrown out the game. But um at the end of the day, man. Um uh, at the end of the day um, I am looked at as a leader on the team. So uh, my actions like that do lead to different consequences off camera. Um, but throughout the whole thing, man, it's just fun having opportunities to play against Kansas City. You know, they got a good defense, a uh, good offense. Uh, you know, it's always best against best when we play.
0: As far as the competitive nature between you two guys, specifically T and Jamar, what is that like? You guys are both alphas, you're both wide receiver ones. I mean, you can get put on almost any team around the NFL and you would be the guy, yet here you are playing together. What's that competitive nature look like between you two? Man, we compete with everything,
6: man. Whether it be, you know, in a weight room, you know, uh, how many push ups or. Or, you know, at the little basketball goal, who can make how many shots the most, you know, uh, everything, man. It's just, we continue to push each other each in everything that we do, you know, and it just, you know, translates to the field. So,
0: who's winning on that uh, little basketball goal, you or Chase? This (laughs) Uh, This season, we've seen the two Super Bowl teams from last year, the Chiefs and the Eagles, they've taken a, Pretty large step back, especially as the season's gone on. Uh, you guys, after you reached the AFC title game, and then all of a sudden you were able to next year, you know, go to the Super Bowl. What is the Super Bowl hangover like? How how real is that? And, and what do you have to do to try and get past that?
6: I always hear about the Super Bowl hangover thing, man. Um, I don't feel like it's a Super Bowl hangover because it, it's, most of the time it's not the same team. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of different guys that, you know, come in, and that's a lot of guys that leave, a lot of guys that come in. So it's not the same exact team that you had the year before. Um, but, you know, it's just all about, you know, coming in, starting, you know, training camp, starting from day one and and, and getting everything down and obviously leading up to, you know, the season, and then you got to dominate the season, you know, to get back to the Super Bowl. And, you know, sometimes a team might catch hot and, and – and they might knock you off in the playoffs. You never know. Um, But it's just all about, you know, hard work and, you know, putting in, you know, each and every day to just get back to that Super Bowl. So, and it's not an easy thing to do because everybody in the league is good. You know what I'm saying? We're we're all professionals, so it's not easy. Jamar, on your end here, I know earlier on in the season,
0: it it was a little struggle when Joe Burrow went down, Jake Browning's there, T. Higgins, you had your own injuries teams were really focused on taking you out of the game plan. How were you able to put up the the crazy numbers that you did? And something that I even noticed was, you know, offensively, they're, they're they're running you out of the backfield at times. They're lining you up back there, using you in some unique ways. What was this like for you?
5: It's, it's not bad, actually, man. Just getting the opportunity to get moved around throughout the whole offense. Um, it's really just the biggest thing. Um, but me knowing – what everyone has to do even when I'm not there sometimes is, is big and often just because I know I I might, I may have to move around and be there sometime. Um, But it was, it was honestly one of the best things that could have happened this year, just adversity wise seeing that happen um, early in the season and not late in our season. Um, So, I mean, we just got to start off faster the next time, man. And just, um, you know, start off faster when we get to the end, the back of the season, you know, we could have some fall off losses that um, we might play bad and and you know might not mess us up.
0: I, I know Jamar, you had your injuries last year, and T you had some injuries this year. How hard is it for you that mindset? Obviously, you saw your quarterback go down early. You go down multiple times this season with just a couple of different injuries here. How hard was that
6: for you? Just that mindset trying to get right. Well, for me, it was it was it was tough because obviously the situation I was in. You know, with this being my contract year and whatnot, uh, it was definitely it was it was more mentally challenging than physically. You know, obviously because, like I said, it was my contract year. So you know, obviously I wanted to go out there and, and produce on the highest level possible. You know, do the best I can. And but obviously that wasn't wasn't a thing to you know I wasn't healthy all season. But every opportunity that I was given. You know, to go out there every opportunity that I, every game that I was healthy and was able to play in, I obviously gave my all and you know, tried to show that tried to show my skills the best I could. So
0: Jamar Chase and T Higgins again brought to you by Bounty because you can't have football without wings and you can't have wings without bounty. From now through February twelfth, spend ten dollars on bounty paper towels, get four dollars cash back via Ibotta. Thank you guys so much. And last question before I let you go, who wins
6: the Super Bowl? It's tough right now, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. I don't know. Anybody but (laughs) KC.
5: Hey, Jamar, that you too? Anyone but (laughs) KC? Anybody but KC. That's what I'm sticking with.
0: (laughs) Thank you guys so much for your time. Appreciate
5: it. Thank you. Yeah.
0: T. Higgins came in first this time. Anyone but the Chiefs. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I know they are a little shorter, Jamar Chase. He's a little... um, I get it, man. We do a lot of interviews, a lot of stuff. Might not be the most exciting. That
1: very first question, he gave a great answer. He just went Philadelphia.
0: (laughs) Yep. Philly. All right. Cool. Appreciate it. Thanks. I was trying... Because I want to get to T. Higgins and get the question in about his contract, obviously, but I don't want to start a conversation with two guys, Jamar and T, and go, all right, Let's just dive right in. Hey, T. Higgins, what are your expectations for you becoming the highest, um, or should I say, the the best free agent wide receiver on the market? i got to at least try and ease my way in. Uh, Jamar did not want to have any of that, so I go, all right, fine. I will go directly into that one. Um, So, yeah, T. Higgins becoming a free agent. And um, what I found a little interesting, he goes, obviously, I want to be a Bengal, but he goes, if I do, if it is a new team. I'm looking forward to it. This wasn't a case of... what I've Again, this is all reading between the, between the lines here, of course. It wasn't strictly just Bengals talk. He did say it is what it is, but... It sounds like he gave some thought to another team. You don't have to say, I'm looking forward to it. Again, I'm reading between the lines here, but... but when you look at the Bengals, you look at their contract situation, everything coming up. You know, Jamar wants to get paid. We heard about that. Joe Burrow coming up. They already last year had to get rid of Vaughn uh, Bell and Jesse Bates, two of their great safeties. Um, you know, Trey Hendrickson's a great, great uh, edge rusher. You know, was a 17 sacks this year. So underrated, he's going to get paid. You know, Logan Wilson's going to get paid. Like, they, they got some guys, and they can't take all the good players on defense and then just pay two wide receivers and their quarterback. That ain't a sustainable model. You know, yeah. um, and they still they've got a lot of money on offensive line now too with Orlando Brown Jr. And I obviously. think they still need to be upgrading, that. and they still need to be upgrading. They a very good point. I mean, so you know, it just made it seem like it w- it's definitely not a sure thing. He's going back to Cincinnati just based on that reaction. It made it sound like there's um, he's open, yeah, he's open and maybe a little excited about becoming free agent. Yeah, that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, the way he talked about his contract year, you can tell he understands the business. Understands the business. And, yeah, it, everything's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. You're not going to be able to keep every star everywhere. I mean, look at the Chiefs and with
0: Tyreek Hill. But you know? I did find it funny that he was the one at the very end. Anyone with the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I will say it's tough to tell because that was audio only. It was a, a Zoom. Um, T. Higgins was laughing the whole time. T was smiling. Kind of, he said, "You know, anyone with the Chiefs." This kind of like a, a joke. And Jamar when I asked him, you know, is that true? Jamar, anyone with the Chiefs? He literally was like, know, just straight face, anyone with the Chiefs? Yeah. Like, I mean, he was very much, yeah. Which makes me laugh even harder. If T Higgins were to become a Kansas City Chief, I wonder what that close relationship would look like. Because apparently, Jamar and T are very close. Like, apparently, they're, they're very according to like a lot of people in the Cincinnati media, they're, they're very close. So that'd be a very fascinating conundrum. What happens there? Uh, a couple of other things I got away from that one was uh, Jamar Chase when I asked about the rivalry and the chirping and the the, the comments, you know, he did say trying to start a fight and get someone thrown out. I, again, I I even joked and said, you know, you're kind of Reggie Miller. Like, that's what Reggie Miller would do. He knows what he's doing. Jamar knows what he's doing. He knows he's trying to get a rise out of the guys. The issue is Legereus and the Chief Stevens, they, they, they didn't bite back. He Jamar says, I was trying to get under their skin. Chiefs didn't let him. Uh, I thought it was interesting when he said, but maybe, I don't know, I am a leader, so I do have some off-camera consequences. That was interesting. Because we always wonder how the team operates and and understands what Jamar does when it comes to the chirping with Kansas City. So hearing him, Jamar himself, say off-camera consequences I thought was, uh, was intriguing. And then uh, finally... He finally gave the Chiefs a little bit of love out there. Again, it was sparingly, but what did he say? At the very end of that, he goes, but I do like playing Kansas City. It's the best versus the best. It's a good rivalry. And then he finally said, they got a good defense over there in KC. There
1: it is. Finally, that right? That
0: was the line. Pulling teeth. All that, yeah. But no, I I, I do appreciate them taking the time to do that. Uh, Jamar and T, very nice of of Bounty for setting that up as well. Again, it's nice to get a little bit of a human interaction with guys who are clearly on, again, as they both said, the rivals of the Chiefs. It's so easy to just, again, they are the villains, yeah, in comparison, but it's still nice to go behind enemy lines and get their thoughts on it. And again, you get a couple of, hey, they are a good team. They do have a good defense. A little bit of respect before they they both dive into anyone but the Chiefs. And again, I will say I like that. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't like the Bengals, but I like the fact that there's legit rivals in teams that dislike each other. How much more fun is it for Kansas City, for, for the fans here, for everyone? When the Chiefs beat the Bengals, what do you do? You're stoked. There's a little bit of extra oomph. You're like, hell yeah. When they beat the, even the Broncos at this point, it's still good. You're like, yeah, you beat the Broncos, but are you really that excited? Yeah. Chargers, you don't care about really at all. Raiders, yeah, still, so it's the Raiders, right? It's the Raiders. It's so great to be the Raiders. But doesn't have the same oomph right now because of the current success the Chiefs have had and the lack thereof from the other teams in the AFC West. Right. So There's with no the Bengals, threat. the Bengals are a huge threat. You're going back and forth. Iron sharpens iron, and you do have the actual. Anger it seems like between the two teams Yeah there's some mutual respect Obviously you hear that you know Travis Kelsey and a lot of Chiefs players Talking about you know Joe Burrow A lot of great stuff right But didn't you like When you were growing up watching The Sacramento Kings and the Lakers Go at it in basketball And the actual seemingly anger between some of those two teams What about the Knicks And and the, uh, the Pacers right Wasn't that great to watch Wasn't that fun and sometimes you see now, like, that's why I love Giannis so much. Why I like a lot of times Luka Doncic so much. That's why I love Kobe so much. Allen Iverson. Didn't you like when those guys were playing, they weren't buddy-buddy with everyone? Yeah. Right? Because I feel like a lot of times where it's like, we hate when guys are buddy-buddy. But then when a, a player on another team takes a shot at a chief, we get so defensive. At some point, I'm, I'm, part of me is like, okay, yeah, I get it. But also, don't we like this? Yeah, don't Don't we want them to rile up our guys? I, I kind of want Tyreek Hill to start chirping more at the Chiefs right now. Why is he so quiet? Yeah. Why is Tyreek so quiet? I know he said one thing about how they're not returning his text. Maybe they're too big for him now in, in regards to Mahomes and Kelsey. But part of me like, come on. Come on, Tyreek. Start chirping. I want to see the Chiefs and, and, and Tyreek and the Dolphins get another little, um, little something extra heading
1: into the game. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense because, you know, as a fan, when you're watching them and you know these guys, like – in particular, Le- LeJarrius and Jamar Chase, you know that game, that route, you know, that, that coverage snap, that means a little bit extra to those particular guys right there. Yeah.
0: Because they want to beat that guy. They want to beat that guy now. You think Lejarius is a little more pumped up going up against Jamar Chase than going up against, um, let's just even say like Tyler Boyd, or um, let's go ahead and say Kobe uh, Myers, or Quentin um, Johnston. Quentin Johnston. Rivalries are fun. And it's nice that uh, we got a little behind enemy lines. Not just with Dolphins media today, but also with a couple of uh, Bengals players. So, shout out Bounty. Thank you. Uh, We will take a break. Come back. More Homestretch right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. (laughs) Thank you for playing Chili Peppers there, Kyle. Favorite band. Suck My Kiss. Great song. Very clean, family-friendly song, too. Chili Peppers known for being very fam- family-friendly. Love Socks, too, huh? I'm seeing them in uh, July. See them in July. My fiance surprised me. That's my favorite band as a heads-up, as you... Um, If you listen to me, you probably could have guessed by my intro Higher Ground by Chili Peppers and my outro on ESPN Kansas City. I thought it
1: was Kiss that was your favorite.
0: Oh, I kiss a lot, yeah, but no, it's Chili Peppers.
1: Oh, all right.
0: Uh, My outro is uh, This Velvet Glove off of Californication. Uh, But yeah, I'm seeing them in Indiana, so very, very excited. I've seen them a couple times, Uh, seen them twice in Philly, once in St. Louis- and uh, now we'll see him in Indiana. Some really cool outdoor music venues. So I'm very excited for that, but I don't think you guys care about that. So we're going to go back to talking Chiefs. A uh, couple of interesting notes here: two Kansas City Chiefs rookies make the PFF All Rookie Team. You want to take a little guess on who they are? Well, give me Rasheed Rice. Yes. Ding ding ding!
1: Now the second one.
0: I know. Interesting, huh?
1: I ha- I have no idea. Give me offense or defense. Give me a hint.
0: Offense. Wanya Morris. Yes. Juan Ye Morris. Okay. Now here's why we'll start. With, we'll start with uh, Rasheed Rice first because uh, this is the easier one, obviously. So, Rasheed Rice makes it, and the quotes from PFF, it took a while for the Chiefs to feature Rice, but he excelled when given the opportunity. Rice's 85.1 PFF receiving grade is tied with Pukunakua for 12th best in the NFL. Uh, They go on to say Rice excels with the ball in his hands. His 8.3 yards after catch per reception ranks second among qualified receivers behind... Devo Samuel, as a result, Rice carries a 2.39 yards per route run figure that is 10th best in the league. That level of efficiency with Patrick Mahomes throwing to him could put him in line for a huge 2024 end quote. Yeah. Think of he played the amount of snaps second half or should I even say the last quarter of the season compared to the entire season. We were all clamoring for him to get an opportunity early on. And again, maybe he was not ready. Maybe this was best for his trajectory of his career. I get all that stuff. But he could have put up some insane numbers. Rasheed Rice, again, you look at what he's doing. It's not just he is the best option on a horrible wide receiving core. He is the best option because he's a damn good option. Again, all those numbers. PFF grade, 12th. Again, PFF, again, I always say tape with a grain of salt, okay? It's not the end-all, be-all, but I think they can be a good jumping-off point. When you're tied with Puka Nakua, hell yeah. Nakua's been incredible this season. Fifth-round rookie, um, good for him, good for the Rams. They found a way to get it done with, with drafting him in the fifth round. But, again, the 8.3 yards after catch, only behind Debo. yards per route run, 10th best in the league. That's efficiency. That's explosiveness. And by the way, we're finally starting to see him get involved catching deep balls. Rasheed Rice in 2024 is going to be a problem. By the way, where do you think Rasheed Rice was drafted? Obviously, we know where he was drafted. I mean, how many receivers were taken in front of him? Uh, About six or seven, I believe. It was six. Six? Mm. So he was the seventh receiver taken. And on the PFF wide receiver list, there are only three receivers. Um, The list, by the way, goes C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Devon A. Chan at running back, uh, wide receivers Puka Nakua, Rasheed Rice, and Tank Dell. Okay. Tank Dell, he got injured, but Tank Dell was, third rounder for Houston. Yeah. Uh, Sheesh. Yeah. Undersized,
1: Um, but... He had an electric rookie
0: year. Do you guys understand now, if everyone was has been listening to me for a long time, why I was so high in the Texans this year and everyone called me an idiot? Look at the Texans now. Come on now. I was so high in the Texans. Not this high, as what they're doing right now, but I was higher than being around five hundred because of I love C.J. Stroud. I like the draft class. I love the drafting up of Will Anderson. I liked um, the offensive line of bringing Laramie Tunsil back, giving him that large contract. And oh, by the way, I love the signing of Dalton Schultz. I did not expect, though, Tank Dell... And Nico Collins to be this good. Nico Collins, also a third-rounder. Yeah. And with a rookie head coach, too. Uh, you, D'Amico Ryan, I mean, the Texans are... If you're a Texans fan, whew, you got to be excited, man. Over the moon. Have to be excited. Uh, Tight end was Sam Laporta. Left tackle, Wanya Morris. Uh, only two rookies played at least 150 snaps at left tackle this season. Wanye Morris and Jalen Duncan. Uh, So between those two, Morris graded a lot higher. But again, uh, Wanye Morris is not graded out very well uh, on PFF. Overall, it's a 54.6, which has been surprising to me because when you've watched Wanye Morris play, he's been very up and down, right? But they have him ranked very high in pass protection. And when I watch the games... I feel like Juania e. Morris has, quite frankly, been better in run blocking. I don't know if you've noticed, but when Isaiah Pacheco runs to the left, when Clyde edwards helaire runs to the left, it feels like there's bigger holes. It feels like there's uh, larger runs. And again, maybe I'm wrong here, but this is where I think PFF has... Again, this may be a little, little backwards here. Um... Again, I, I don't like always using it when a when it helps my case and then when it doesn't help my case I say it's wrong. But again, this is one of those instances where I feel fairly strong that Wandy e. Morris is quite frankly looking at a pretty solid run blocker and uh, PFF does not believe so. Uh, again, according to PFF, Morris has been or has seen significant action in the Chiefs' last six games. He has posted at least a seventy three point four PFF pass blocking grade in three of those games. So again, they have him ranked as a fairly solid pass protector. Uh, I think for the most part, yeah, he has been, but he also has come with a few hiccups, which completely to be expected by a third round rookie left tackle who got thrown into the fire against some damn good pass rushers. I mean, look at the list of dudes he's had to go up against. Quite frankly, it gets easier in the playoffs when he has to go up against Miami. But he's not because he's out this week. Enter Donovan Smith. He was a participant back at practice. Uh, Donovan Smith looking like he will be good to go and will be the starter at left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. But again, Juan A. Morris, where was he drafted? I, I didn't go with left versus right tackles. I just went tackles in general. What tackle was he taken?
1: This can be a. Complete shot in the dark for me here. Let's
0: go. Let's go with the ninth, seventh, also seventh. Lucky seven for both Rashee and Wanye. I was a little surprised for all of the first round tackles that were taken. All have played right tackle so far. Now, so well, Skaronski. Where did he go? He ended up going to left guard. So he was a ta- he was drafted as a tackle in college. He's now left guard uh, for the Titans. And then um, one of the tackles, who was a right tackle, will move back to left tackle, I believe, next year. The guy for was it the Jets? Uh, I'm sorry, I apologize. I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, but again, point remains. Wanya Morris has been the best rookie left tackle. So if you think he's been up and down, he was drafted in the first, third round. Looks like another uh, steal, relatively, for Brett Veach, even if he can't draft consistently or identify wide receivers. So, Wanya Morris left tackle, left guard, Peter Skaronsky, as we mentioned. Uh, Joe Titman for the Jets. Uh, C.D. Sow for the Patriots at right guard and then DeJuan Jones for right tackle. Uh, I know that um, a lot of Chiefs fans were wanting DeJuan Jones just the massive 6'8", 375. Uh, so Chiefs fans who wanted Dewan Jones, you were right, man. Looking pretty good, but again, I think I would take uh, Juan Ian Morris right now. The, the job he has done at left tackle, again, not right but left, has been instrumental with the injury to Donovan Smith. Because do you trust Juwan Taylor moving over to left with his struggles at right? Not at this point in the season. Absolutely do, not. Do, do, you, do you trust Jawan Taylor, who um, has already had a plethora of penalties, to now have to try and do something different? What about that start that little little early jump? You want to see that back in action on the left side now? No, you don't. A. Morris, an important draft pick for Kansas City. Uh, defensively, it was Jalen Carter. Kobe Turner... Will Anderson Jr. Tooley Tupelotu for the Chargers. I think I got it. I'm really bad at that, but I think I got it. Ivan Pace Jr., way I can, I can get that one. For the Vikings. Jack Campbell for Detroit at linebacker. Uh, cornerback, uh, Witherspoon, Makai Blackman, uh, Brian Branch, Jordan Battle, Ronnie Hickman Jr. So again, they're not doubling down. Outside of three wide receivers, every other spot was basically one, right? You had two edges, two interior defensive linemen, one of each on the offensive lines. These are starters, you know what I'm saying? Like, that again puts into perspective how good Rasheed Rice has been. Also goes to show, aren't you glad the Chiefs didn't get Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston or uh, JSN instead? Like, doesn't that, to an extent... Squelch or calm some nerves in regards to Rasheed Rice second, Juanie Morris third, and the jury is still out on a underutilized and maybe just raw first rounder in FAU. Shouldn't that calm your nerves just at least a little bit here? Yeah, I mean, because what, what what did people want? Because then at that point you're drafting Rasheed Rice, who's been one of the best rookies in the first round. You weren't drafting Aku in the first, that have been asinine at the time. This is all with the. Um, Ability of hindsight, right? So when you look at what we have seen, wouldn't you have taken Rasheed Rice in the first, Wanye maybe in the second, and then let's just say a a potential uh, high upside edge rusher in the third? If you think of it that way, doesn't the draft seem a lot better? Yeah, no. Or, or it, am I wrong here? No, maybe may, maybe I'm, I'm being a Veach apologist does, here,
1: but I think there were a lot of Chiefs fans who
0: were saying who were on the on the A. Flowers train. He's been good. He's not been Rasheed Rice good. That is true. But it, it, and by the way, if you do that, if you trade up in the first, which the Chiefs, from all accounts, they tried to trade up or down, they just right. could not. They weren't getting that spot. So my point is, if you are stuck at thirty-two, which according to what we have now seen and all the reports that came out about them trying to move up or down have indicated they couldn't, then who are you drafting at 32? Everyone always says trade down, but they couldn't. Everyone The other half says trade up, but they couldn't. So you're stuck at 32. You can't say you'd have taken Tank Dallar or Puganuku because that would have been such a reach at that time. I'm trying to be honest here. Who would you have taken? So again, if you think of it with those positions... Flipped around, I think it makes that draft a lot more palatable. All right. No McKinnon for the playoffs. No McKinnon against the Dolphins. Um, Kyle, how nervous are you about the bodyguard of Mahomes being out with Donovan Smith now being inserted at left tackle?
1: not too nervous, given the Dolphins' injuries mm. on the on that defensive line and in the, in their linebacking core. I mean, they had to put uh, three of their backers on IR. Yeah, they had to sign Bruce Irvin, Justin Houston, and somebody else. I, I can't remember. They're the,
0: <laughs> they're playing with a patchwork line. It's the Chiefs' old folks' retirement home, basically. Emmanuel yeah. Ogba. Yeah. I forgot about Ogba. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised Terrell Suggs isn't coming back. Melvin Ingram. Uh, yeah, yeah, Alex Okafor might want to swing by. Who knows? Mm. Yeah. What's Frank Clark doing? Frank Clark? Hey, he's a free agent? <laughs> I'm
1: shocked. Shocked. Yeah, he, he does well in the playoffs in Arrowhead. There you go. Why didn't they call him?
0: Uh, maybe they did. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. We'll be joined by Josh Briscoe for the entire nine o'clock hour, the home stretch. Sports Radio 810 WHB. <laughs>
7: Brisco, Brisco, Brisco. I just sit here and point at you to remind you that it's your turn to talk, bud. I, I let it breathe. You let it breathe a lot. we yeah. got stuff to talk about, man. we got places to go, people to see, stuff to do. Biggest thing, Quinn Uwers, Ewers. Well said. Skewers
0: uh, returning as the quarterback for the Longhorns next year, right? That's the biggest thing to talk about. Hook
7: just It just means more.
0: Horns down. Can you wait
7: for when Bill Belichick and Nick Saban just switch jobs? I think that's what should happen. We talked about this in The Zone today. I feel like they should switch jobs. Um, we thought maybe, you know, if Dan Lanning needed to move and Pete Carroll could just go to Oregon. Um, oh, I like my gosh. Pete needs to go great. back to college, right? I mean, if he still wants to coach, he should go back to college. H-
0: how the heck – and now I know it's just now, but but how the heck does Pete Carroll – Basically sound like he's getting canned But stays on as a special advisor I guess that means there's a good relationship
7: there A good relationship and money I would guess Are two things that he's continuing to get
0: But when you say like two days ago That you plan on being the head coach and And then two days later you're like Oh, I'm actually going to be a special
7: advisor. I mean, he said that he competed to keep the head coach job, um, and in part, you know, for the rest of his coaching staff, which is also, I think, a fair point. The head coach gets fired. You assume that a whole lot of, especially a head coach who's been there for as long as he has, yeah. you assume a whole lot of people are losing their jobs. I don't know how much the the Seahawks will change overall. But, man, what a genuinely unbelievable week you might know this I couldn't remember who it was I think it was John Adams and, and Thomas Jefferson who both died on the same day the wow. 4th of July wow back in whatever year that was that must mean they love America that that feels like that feels like what happened with Saban and Belichick in in you know basically what a few hour span almost and, and Saban was a couple hours after, uh, after Pete Carroll I mean yeah. it's really it's unbelievable and then Mike Vrabel I know he's not in the same category
0: but I think Mike Vrabel is a damn good head coach and it was hilarious listening to the Titans basically say they were too lazy to trade him even though they, they probably could have got something for him. Which that's how you want your, your NFL organization run is.
3: That
7: part's you wild. You know, it seems like a lot of work. I, when <laughs> when um, Robert Kraft said, hey, we went through this with Brady, we went through this with Belichick, we felt like they had given so much to the organization that they deserved to choose where they go next. That makes sense. Yeah. Because you know what you're doing? You are saying, thank you for the six... Lombardi trophies while you two were here together—that's outrageous. So yeah, man, it's not worth uh, whatever round pick to to get in return to send Bill Belichick to Carolina. We're not gonna do him like that. He might he might legit get there and retire. So that that makes sense to me. If you're the Titans, man, I I have to assume that Vrabel will not be unemployed for very long. I, I don't know. I don't know what the path there will be, but um, I think there's a little bit. Here's ready for my my counter countercultural cultural take. Mm. Mike Grable's a good head coach. I was very surprised that he got fired. Do you have a third drink there or just coffee and water today? Just two.
0: I, I could go three deep. I could get like a T or a uh, OJ or a Bush Light.
7: Mike Vrabel's a very good coach, and I'm surprised that he got fired. I read Diana Rossini's story earlier today, um, kind of going through, like, just the relationship in the front office or whatever. That kind of thing usually gets somebody eventually fired. You, you kind of pick the owner, pick the side. She had already yeah. picked the GM and all of that. Okay. I don't know Mike Titans have been good as of late. Daddy, year's the one seed, which is ridiculous and past incredible. Two, past two years. I get what you're saying. But, like, it's been, you know... If you if you made that uh, Matt Eberflus, I think we'd be going like, yeah, it makes sense. They haven't really performed since uh, since they won the AFC. they won the in the AFC title What's or it? AFC, and then losing the Chiefs in the championship game.
0: A little Matt Nagy, it asks, yeah. with, with the Bears, where you you're like, okay, the first few years, you're like, oh wow, you 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 went to the playoffs. And you, multiple times, by the way, you won Coach of the Year, and you had Trubisky as a Pro Bowler, and they go, they get the one seed with Ryan
7: Tannehill, right?
0: And then it's like, oh, well, this is actually is who you are. But I will also say, how much do you blame Vrabel versus the head coach? Right. I mean, versus the GM, because uh, yikes, that roster is devoid of talent.
7: Well, they and so they make the the GM change at kind of a weird time, and I, I think that is the distinction for Vrabel is he wasn't necessarily overcoming. The flaws there, but he also wasn't at fault for them. So that's why it becomes a little bit jarring to see him get canned. Because just say, "Wait a second, this this wasn't a team that quit on him. This wasn't a cultural problem. This this isn't a guy who was in over his head. This is the Titans making a decision in a different direction that was again surprising to me and everybody else." But um I don't know. There's just there's layers to that one, especially after reading that that story in the Athletic earlier today. I just thought it was it makes it more complicated and more complex in kind of a fun way. The Pete Carroll thing yeah. is a little more surprising because what has he not done that you want from your head coach, or what has your team not done <laughs> under him that you would like from him? <laughs> you went to the playoffs last year with Geno Smith, right? And then uh, yeah,
0: or the, and then this year you're what a um, you're the eighth seed because you just barely missed the playoffs with again Geno Smith as your quarterback. I
7: what more do you want from him? And, and hey, listen, I mean if you if you go from Pete Carroll to, like, Bobby Slewik, a young up-and-coming offensive mind who you think is going to do new creative things for your team, I kind of get it. If they go from Pete Carroll to Dan Quinn, Ugh. what's the point? Ugh. What are we doing? So that I'll, I'm not going to pass judgment on any of these teams until they, they land a, a candidate because this is as good of a, of a crop of free agent coaches as I think we've maybe seen in the modern era, at least sure. for a long, long time. And there are some good jobs there and also Carolina. So lots of places to land. Uh and Ron
0: Rivera was canned, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. That was early on. That, yep. Was it like the first one of the offices maybe? I think so. I think like the minute after, I think.
7: It was it was it was early on. It was yeah. in that kind of that first wave and I don't know um Do you think the enemy gets a spot there? Like like no, do, 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 I don't. Do you think that because
0: he's so close with I guess not even close, it's been one year, but it's one of those situations where you still have, you're tainted almost by what happened. Yeah. And again, you have Sam Howell as your quarterback. It, it is really interesting when you watch a lot of these these teams outside of really the Chargers, who's had Justin Herbert, it's really hard to find massive fault with some guys when they get cancer. Like, yep. well, look at their team, you expected them to be good? Like, a lot of times I think you blame the head coach when in reality it's the GM's main issue right Mm -hmm. but gms typically get a lot longer of a leash because it takes longer to watch draft classes play out and so you have to fire someone though because the fan bases are upset so then you fire the head coach
7: and gms are about the long-term view and coaches are about tomorrow i mean that's just sort of the philosophical balance of that 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 makes sense the the other thing with with the enemy is now Chicago is creating the circumstance where they fire their offensive side of the ball, but they're going to keep I- loose and then whatever they do with their quarterbacks. That one, that's the one that drives me crazy because they keep doing this. Are you about to say that Matt Nagy now? I
0: mean, not Matt Nagy. Whoa. Eric Bieniemy now goes on as the OC for the Bears because this would be. I'm afraid of that. I am, I am genuinely worried about that. A rotation every year where he takes on a new team. Because then, yes, then he'll,
7: then if, if that if he's the Bears' offensive coordinator this upcoming season, I believe he will eventually end up spending four years with four different teams because they have a essentially a lame duck head coach and a quarterback situation that will either be a holdover for Fields and the next regime has to figure it out. Or they draft somebody in the new offensive coordinator scheme and with evil and then they can the entire coaching staff after they go three and fourteen next year, and you do this whole process again. They did this with Trubisky, they did this with Fields, they're going to do it with Caleb
0: Williams or whoever it ends up being. And again, you blame the GM, not the head coach, but yet the GM stays around again. Ryan Poles, we we don't know, he's, and he's but he's not at fault for
7: for John Fox no, and the carryover and the naggy carryover. And, and again, I I said you I. Get and I think I was out in a limb here. But I also don't know if this is the GM's calling. I don't know. I don't know if Polls is firing underflues sure. or if this is coming from above his head.
0: I said draft C.J. Stroud and and trade Justin Fields, but uh-huh. also I think when you look at the return that the Bears got, I think yeah. you're actually saying, you know what, that was the right decision. Fun? because now you get the draft capital even more, and maybe you get a higher end. Again, I love C.J. Stroud. I, I was I was they might have kept that pick there. To, tr- to draft right. Bryce Young also. Yeah, but and, and and that could be and that would be even worse because yeah. you're looking at the. Carolina Panthers. Um, Again, that is a situation where I don't really envy anyone. While You might look at it and say, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can go. If you don't get it right, you're going to look at it on the flip side of the coin, which is you didn't get it right, so now you have to go. Because you're going to look back on that one, and there's going to be a clear-cut situation where either you draft Caleb Williams, and he's a stud, or you um, stick with Justin Fields, and he either either is a stud or he flames out. There's like no in-between. I don't know of a situation where it becomes average.
7: Yeah, I think I think Fields could be average and it would still feel like a huge miss if Caleb Williams becomes the guy, yeah, for sure, right? But Williams has to be the guy,
0: or someone else, some other quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., who again didn't give you a whole bunch of confidence.
7: But I think if he's better, I think if whoever they like it ends up being better than Fields, I think they would regret it because of Fields contract. I mean, he's he's further into the rookie contract I, yeah. than, than whoever they take and and at one would be, and you have a chance to kind of reset that clock in your team building process. I, I think. I would have fired everybody and hired an offensive head coach, not because you need that, but because your offensive mind isn't going to get hired away if he's your head coach. Sure. If your offensive coordinator is, again, Bobby Sloak or whatever, is C.J. Stroud going to be uh, uh, stunted at all in his progress if he's got a new offensive coordinator taking over? I'm sure they would probably... Uh, Higher from within, try to keep it, you know, it's stable. But that's a risky run, and it, no one thinks Nico Ryan's isn't an excellent head coach. But that's just a natural drawback of having a defensive head coach and a a young quarterback in the same rookie class, essentially. Yeah. So there's just there's a ton of interesting stuff about all this to me. Yeah, I
0: can't wait for uh,
7: Bill Belichick to go to Chicago and also bring Mac Jones with him. That would. <laughs> well, I don't think Bill Belichick wants Mac Jones with him. Here's the funny. Can I give you the funniest little uh, thing that can't happen but could happen? Yeah. So, if you look around and you look at at owners who might want to make a big splash, and specifically, I've heard people talk about um, an owner who wants to have a real face of the franchise from the coaching position. Mark Davis is like that guy as much as anyone's ever been that guy. Um, Harbaugh could be that guy to step into that spot. Sure. Uh, Antonio Pierce is on. Great work. That's what I was going to say. Is Antonio Pierce? I, I just think he
0: earned that spot.
7: I yeah, I think he did a great job, and I don't think he's going to get the, the permanent job. If I had to guess right now, um, Mark Davis makes lots of bad decisions. so of his hair. But if Mark Davis goes to Bill Belichick and says, "Hey, come fix the Raiders. Come come save the Raiders. Just win, baby. Come come make it the Raider way and." Be the face of this franchise. Be the swaggering pirate, grouchy old man villain that that the silver and black deserves. That makes a ton of sense, right? That marriage of Belichick to Mark Davis, like that, that feels perfect to me. Bill, imagine Bill Belichick with those spiky shoulder pads, though. See, it's all perfect. <laughs> Everything about it is perfect. Here's my question for you, Stu: Who's an available offensive mind who Bill Belichick is absolutely going to bring on as his offensive coordinator? Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels. <laughs>
0: That's even funnier.
7: It's even funnier. <laughs> I think Josh McDaniels, I would bet right now, that Josh McDaniels will end up on Bill Belichick's next staff. And it cannot be Vegas. It just can't be. Yeah. You're going to ha- – Aiden O'Connell's still going to be there. I don't know if he's starting or not, but he's going to be there. <laughs> Dante Adams is going to be there. Josh McDaniels would be in a, in a spot where the – it's so bizarre. It can't happen. But if it ever could, it would be Bill Belichick saying, Josh, Keep your keep your house. We're gonna stay here. You're getting, we're gonna figure it out. Your presses are gonna be fine. You'll just get just wear a hoodie and be short with reporters, and it'll be fine. That to me is the funniest possible thing that could happen this off
0: I also love that everyone saw the Josh McDaniels signing just completely being a disaster. Oh, besides yes. the Raiders, yep. You know the Arrested Development skit where it's like, no, people always try to delude themselves. That it's gonna work. They always say we could be the ones.
7: And It never it, does. It never does.
0: But but. It could work for us. That's that's (laughs) absolutely the
7: Josh McDaniels experience. Uh, Switching over to the Chiefs,
0: some news today. Travis Kelsey saying, I have no reason to stop playing football. Uh, I guess indicating that he intends to play in 2024 saying, I love playing with the Chiefs, we still have success, come in with the right mindset, and I just love the challenge that it gives me every single day to try and be at my best. And then one more quote, I have
7: no desire to stop anytime soon, end quote. I'll add one more quote, which I thought was maybe my favorite, is that I think it's so much further down the road than it is right now, talking about retirement. So much. Not just further. You said so much. He said so much. So no, no, I said no, no. so but much. My, my so point we said is, so much.
0: That doesn't mean when
7: I take when I hear so much that doesn't mean a year. It could mean a year. That typically when you say But it doesn't sound like it. And it certainly doesn't sound like this year, which is great news for all of us. Uh, yeah. You want Blake Bell being tied in too? No, that's not going to happen. I mean, he's not right now. But it they, here's, <laughs> here's what the the, the things that. Do uh, you want to know what I think about what Travis Kelsey said today? You're kind of leading up to it, and then yeah. I added a quote, and then I feel like I took your opportunity to ask me no, a question. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. I would what, love to hear your thoughts. What I think is, is great about all of this is that it, it also shows an amount of big picture thinking from Travis Kelsey, where okay, it, that was all kind of in the light. I think Sam McDowell asked the first question that goes back to the Wall Street Journal uh, article that, that he was in heard that was about him, you know, where he re- he mentioned, like, uh, you know, 10 surgeries or whatever, so he thinks about retiring a lot because physically football hurts, and, and his life has gotten more interesting off the field, and it was pretty damn interesting before the last year has has completely skyrocketed him both into media, outside, you know, pop culture, all of that. Everything about, like, the day-to-day challenge and everything, I, I think is super interesting but is a little bit of a filtration of what the core message is there, which is, man, this year's been hard. This year, has, and he, he he was asked about that like directly, and he he kind of I don't want to say he sidestepped it; he didn't deflect or ignore the question. But he he was political in the way that he answered it, like you read there. Of you know, I love the challenge. I love this year. He said this year was different. Yeah, yeah, this year was different. It sucked a lot of the time <laughs> to to watch how defenses were treating Travis Kelsey and, and how little this offense was providing in terms of other things for defenses to pay attention to. But if Travis Kelsey is still enjoying football and the day in, day out, and the Sundays, if he's still enjoying all of that this year, I do think we're talking about a couple more years of Travis Kelsey being all about being here. Because, and he always, he's talked about finishing out his contract for a while now. And I just, I'm kind of stuck with that. I, 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 he slowed down a tiny bit and everything. But you know what I think would rejuvenate the hell out of him? Mike Evans and a, a third round tight end. I think that rejuvenates Travis Kelsey because all of a sudden he should not play... I don't know what his, his snap percentage was this year, especially not playing in Week 1 or Week 18. Uh, I'm not sure. You yeah, can check. Yeah. But, but he, he should not be playing the lion's share of snaps. He can play more than 50%. He can play 60% of the snaps. I'm guessing this year he ended up in the 70s accounting for him not playing in Week 1 or 18. And I think he was lighter a little bit once he came back from injury the first time and all that. But... Making him a guy who is still an enormous part of your offense, an enormous part of your team, but isn't the absolute focal point, who's not your perpetual number one pass catching option. I think that is going to, to give Travis Kelsey some measure of the fountain of youth, where where all of a sudden Travis Kelsey being treated like anything resembling a normal tight end, and he is back to being clearly the best tight end in football. So it all of that is complicated and interesting and i'm I'm very glad that he's not he's not planning on retiring anytime soon but i i think his his angle of it all has has been fascinating as well
0: yeah when I look at how many snaps he played this year, it looks like he played five hundred and sixty two does that seem about right five sixty two
7: that seems a little yeah low. seems a little, little low bit, doesn't it the, yeah i'll find I've got some of this stuff bookmarks
0: because but 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 what I will say for him he he didn't he wasn't out there a ton on rundowns. Like he
7: wasn't out there just. Blind. I got him with seven seventy five here. What, I, what percentage did I say? I guess it was around because yeah, seventy. I sixty eight point five eight. Yeah, I wonder why PFF has this. Hello, everybody. Oh, that's just that's just past, um Pro Football Reference has great snap count stuff, so I that's my uh, okay. that's my bible here. That's a much better one than this one because I this mean, so it, generally, Kelsey, especially in the back third or so of the season, he was playing. Seventy to ninety-five percent of the wait, wait. Get, of the offensive snaps. Uh,
0: how many snaps did you say total? Seven seventy-five. Seven seventy-five, and this has seven hundred and sixty-two. Uh, of those were passed. So he was literally on the field. If you break it, well, down. I don't think
7: that's right. <laughs> that seems impossible. Also, it seems impossible. But, I don't think that's right. Uh, well, I'm just telling you what I'm looking at. What right are you here. looking at? Are you looking at the website P- that said P- was, F- the, the website that was giving you bad information just a second ago?
0: Bff. Uh, well, you know. I always say take PFF with a grain of salt. That would be the greatest <laughs> tell
7: of all time. If that Chester's just, in the field, hey, they're not running.
0: They're not running. The Empty football. the box. It said he pass blocked on only 20 downs this year, which all I mean, makes, makes sense. That makes sense. Stayed in the block 20 downs this
7: year. Yeah, it's, you know, one and a half times per game or whatever. That yeah. makes sense. So take that as you will. I think it's interesting. I am taking it as a good thing, and I am taking all of this as a. Positive development in what I do imagine has been a a very physically and mentally challenging year for him because of some of the things this this team has struggled with.
0: Uh, And then meanwhile, Coach Andy Reid, he turned 66 in March, Mm -hmm. uh, said he has not thought about whether he would retire at the end of the season. Quote, I figured that would come up because
7: I'm old. Reid said, but I'm not that old. It's a good line. Uh, he is right now, at this moment, I believe, the oldest head coach in the NFL uh, because the top two have been shuffled to the front office or mutually parted ways with in Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, um, both significantly older. I believe what I figured out was that Carroll and Belichick are are older than Andy Reid by a wider margin, than Andy Reid is older than John Harbaugh which seems impossible, because Harbaugh has felt 45 years old for 15 years now, and I think he's 60, 61. 61 years old. It's wow.
0: Shocking, right? He also still looks for... It's the hat, too.
7: The yeah. hat. It's the the, the hat. skin is good. He's, he's yeah. glowing. I don't know. He's, he's got a he's got a boyishness that Jim did not quite get. Yeah. Jim looks like his dad in, they, sitting in the stand. They, they look, look identical. exactly alike. And and John's got a little extra, I don't know, a little extra moisturizer in his routine. I'm not sure. but Really? John um, Harbaugh? Yeah, it's that's crazy. tough to believe. I know. And you don't believe me. I can tell by the fact that you're Googling it again. I am Googling like it But Andy Reid is closer to John Harbaugh than he is to Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick. And we're talking about Bill Belichick's next act right now. Yeah. And we're talking about Andy Reid Reid retiring. And by we, I mean like Mike Florio wrote something dumb and everybody come to a screeching halt to try to believe that sentence.
0: Wait, Mike Florio wrote something dumb? I know.
7: I hope you're sitting down.
0: Shocking. Well, I'm almost perpetually sitting down because we do
7: talk radio. Yeah, it's it's theater of the (laughs) mind.
0: That's
7: an album by Ludacris.
0: Favorite album by Ludacris. I'm
7: standing now. I'm going to do the rest of this segment standing up. Go ahead, Stu. What else you got? I'm glad you can stand for something. If you don't, you'll fall for anything, and you'll sit for Floria, which is the worst of all.
0: Uh, you know what? Just because of that, I'm not going to sit for Floria. I'm yeah, right, all right. Let's go. All right. In this house, stand up, Kyle. Stand in this up, house, Kyle. we stand for radio. We stand for radio, and we stand for, I don't know, just anything in general. Yeah, uh, this... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I wanted to talk about Jalen Hurts and his finger injury really quickly, because I think this is a non-sheet-related story lens. This finger?
7: big Which finger was
0: it? Uh, yeah, actually that one. This is the one I broke in high school. <laughs> it's got a little
7: bend in it, actually. Oh, As yeah,
0: you can see it. look Look how much, see, that's still how far I can close it. Look at this. That's finger. the most you can close it? Look at this. I, I can push it, but I can't, I can't.
7: Why is that? Is that a, is that a muscle or a tendon no, so thing? or
0: what they were talking about, I saw something with Jalen Hurts' finger um his was not quite as bad. It sounds like he missed um some of the biggest issues, which for me was I fractured my finger, so where this bone right here? I don't like this stuff. this bone's his knuckle, yeah, was sticking up uh-huh uh i didn't know, I didn't know it was broken for six weeks. I thought it was a very bad sprain. right uh-huh um. And how Hurt said his finger just kind of popped. It popped out. So I think Uh maybe we thought the same thing. You think it's not broken. You think it's a sprain. Yeah. Well... Mine was fractured, so the bone was floating around in there. and <clears throat> I also tore a ligament. Mm-hmm. And so I had to wear one of those like finger casts. Which like is the normal. Justin
7: Herbert the, joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, and normally you don't wear a cast on a broken finger. You let it heal, heal itself. But when you have a fracture or a torn ligament, you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. So the original thought process with Jalen Hurts was that was the exact same injury that I had. And I, I was trying to tell folk, he ain't playing football. Like, if that is your throwing hand, you're not playing football. You can't grab a football. You can't throw a football. You have to wear the cast. And what I mean, it is the most painful thing just touching it at all. It's a broken – you have a floating bone in your finger. Yeah. So, it sounds like Jalen Hurts avoided the majority of that. There were a lot okay. of concerns. He
7: hasn't thrown a football yet, right? Correct. Since that? Okay. So, uh, again, he
0: he told reporters that he uh it popped out. But uh, it sounds like he missed the – Fracture part of it, so um, he avoided the worst.
7: I uh, I've had to explain to Renee multiple times that this is wild, but she can like fold all of her fingers over each other in a way that is like deeply unpleasant. Not not like that. Like like. Uh, middle over pointer, ring over middle, pinky over... But, like, from the middle joint, like, towards... Uh-huh. It's bad. I don't like any double-jointed double stuff. I don't think I got any of those. I don't think I am particularly, like, extra flexy anywhere. Uh, extra sexy, not extra flexy. But Renee's, uh... She, she continually does the, the, the little, little, like, double-jointed trick, and I don't... I don't even like watching you fail to... Bend your entire finger down. Yeah, I never got any. I never had like a finger caught in a face mask or anything. So yeah, I. So I'm just. uh must be just a tough man. Over. Why here. did you break?
0: How did you break it? Yeah, it was actually tailgating a soccer game in high school. Tough man. Uh, I was catching a football. Was it really? Uh, I laid out for the ball. Oh cause we brother. Of course, I'm diving at a tailgate because. Um, no, I was under twenty one, so I don't want to. I don't want to say. Yeah, it could have been any reason. Could have been any reason. You were really you were but re- you were drunk on the game. But I uh, laid out for a football and um, this asphalt, landed, concrete, I, I, don't, I, I don't remember? You don't no, remember? It was, but you it, it, it was turf. It was turf. It, it was, was turf. turf. It, well, grass. It was actual grass. It was kind of down a hill. Uh, which who would have thought that that'd be a stupid idea?
7: Trying to dive. Right, so down, I'm sorry. Up. So the so drunk fourteen year old Sterling lays out 18. for eighteen for uh, I. You could have just said. I didn't say drunk. Uh, you lay out. You lay out. You this uh, and got him, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we got him. Um, I should be a lawyer. That was in, uh, that was incredible. Great. Thank you. Uh, so you lay out in in the down the grass hill. You say this Mizzou? No, this was uh, Blue
0: Valley North Soccer <sighs> Complex. Um, I forgot you said soccer. That's even. I, so I was watching my friend. I was trying to support him. I was trying to support the boys, and so we went out there and uh, I dove. Football hit my middle finger. It didn't hurt too bad, but then I landed as I'm diving, and it just did that thing. And it hurt so bad, I'm like, okay, but it's probably not broken. I probably just sprained it real bad. And so for six weeks, I had a floater in there, and I decided to try and play basketball through it. And because um, I was, I actually play basketball, so basketball. This is
7: why you shouldn't drink until you're 45.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember I jammed it on a ball going up for a rebound, <sighs> and that was one of the greatest pains in my life. I just crumpled like a. Like the soft man I am. And, yeah. And, that's
2: okay, man. There's
0: nothing
7: wrong with feeling pain.
0: And then I went to the doctor like, dude, that is that is a bone. That's not a sprain.
7: You're an idiot. And I'm like, well. The doctor said that to your face. <laughs> verbatim probably was, dude, you're an idiot. You're still wearing like 14 sweatbands. You got a shooting sleeve on. And they're like, dude, <laughs> idiot. Did you do something to this six weeks ago? Yeah. Moron. Why didn't you come in earlier?
0: And I'm like, well, you know. That was busy. I was busy. Drinking. No. Drink responsibly, kids. And if you're listening to this show, stop. You you shouldn't be listening to this show.
7: What do you think the appropriate age range is for people to listen to this show? I don't like this show. You say 21. ass a lot. I
0: say ass a lot.
7: 21 up. You don't think 18-year-olds have heard, have heard of that word yet? They Anything you is. can say on the radio, I think... I try to walk that that DreamWorks line, you know, that Shrek line, where mm. if it's if you're grown up, you're gonna get the grown up jokes. If you're a little, then you're gonna you're not gonna get them. You're just gonna laugh at the big ogres talking to you. It's almost like SpongeBob, right? Where they actually yeah. have the 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 jokes
0: in there for the older folk exactly, but the the kids think it's peace. PG, and the older one's like, oh, no, there, there's a little more behind that one. There's a there's little, there's little more behind
7: Mr. Krebs, if you know what I mean. Uh,
0: let's take a break. Let's come back. I want to talk more about the Dolphins-Chiefs game at GEHA Field at, at Arrowhead. I just think it's kind of fun to say.
7: No? I, I don't, but you know, I'm glad you're finding joy in unique places.
0: I love this song, Walking on a Dream, but also part of me goes, there's three things I'm adamant about. People don't care about your dreams, your golf score, or your fantasy football team. So I feel like when I'm hearing a song called Walking on a Dream, I'm sitting here going, that's going against my three valid principles.
7: So you also, you've never cared about anyone's dream, like anyone who's ever maybe notably said that they had a dream? Maybe once.
0: I cared one time.
7: I feel like the concept of a dream... Is, i mean, is some. widely acceptable I think if someone's telling you a story about their dream That's what i'm talking about like you, like dude I had a dream
0: last night that uh you know i uh, i shot a 67 and my fantasy football team won yeah I'd be like dude I literally could not care less about anything in the entire world
7: but you do care about fantasy football in in the big picture right so I mean, like you know I'll listen to our friend field yates talk about fantasy football that's great but we I love don't re- that but even as i've talked to him we've talked about before I don't really care about Field Yates's team. I care a little bit because exactly. he's Field Yates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no that that makes that makes sense. I think walking on a dream is firmly on the conceptual side. Uh, okay, it's yeah, it's you're you know, walking again. You don't you wouldn't walk on the things your brain spat out while you were unconscious. I mean that doesn't really make any sense. Well, it could if it's about a nice
0: 20%. rug, I thought.
7: Okay, Big Lebowski. Okay, Big Lebowski. Okay, Big Lebowski. Calm down, dude. Guys, I don't want to. I don't want to guess. I don't want to. don't want say anything too untoward because we, we've already established that the listening age for this show might be 21. I think that song might be about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're telling me they they make music about drugs. You're telling me they make songs
0: that aren't exactly what they say they're about. That's crazy to me.
7: I'm saying that sometimes great artists will use simile and metaphor. You're telling
0: me the song Lick It Up by Kiss has underlying meanings to it? Or the song Love Gun?
7: No, those are exactly... Take those at face value.
0: Yeah. Well, quite frankly, they kind of are at face value. They're not really hiding much there with those
7: two. I guess that's true, too. I'm on the genius page right now. Well, the chorus is, is it real now? Two people become one. I can feel it. Two people become one. That could be about the collective consciousness, or it could be about... Something else. Two
0: people become come one on Saturday because it's going to be so cold. You know those big jackets that the players have? Just yes. come one as two people will try and hide inside one of those big jackets.
7: I don't think have worn one of those before. I imagine they have to be like where do you hella find them, insulated on sidelines. I'm yeah. guessing equipment no, no, no. rooms.
0: Yeah, but like I would love one, but like where could you I w-
7: find one purchase? You wouldn't to purchase. Because your, your shoulders aren't shoulder pad size, no offense. And there are no sleeves. It just, it's just a, it's basically a blanket.
0: Yes, you know how warm that would be? If you were going to the Chiefs game right now, you're telling me people would not wear that.
7: I, I would wear it to the Chiefs game. That's my point. In I this would, instance. I would purchase one for these moments. I don't, I don't really have a real, legit winter coat. I have a ton of jackets. And I love jackets. I love a uh, I love a variety of quick little you know fashion accessories. That's me, baby. That's what I'm bringing to the table. Okay. But I don't I don't really have like one of those puffy coats that goes to like your knee or something. And I feel like I need one mm. of those. Yeah. I think Hartzell had a really kick ass one that I was I, I really I think it was like a sporting one. I'm thinking about sporting for some reason. Th- I think it was probably Hartzell. Yeah. Um, My of,
0: soccer store really got you. Uh,
7: I've been about, thinking, uh, uh, thinking about footy.
0: Think about the kickers in this game. It's got to have a hard ball to kick. I talked to Lowry about it, and he said it's probably 6 to 8, even potentially 10 yards shorter just based on the cold. Um, Really? Yeah, and that's going to be – I mean, that's brutal, man. What's a team, What's a Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker know about, you know, kicking a football in the cold? I bet they can kick it twice as far. (laughs) (laughs) But I was was like, gosh, think of your Tommy Townsend. (laughs) he has got to just kill. Yeah, that stinks. You know what I think is an underrated talking point? Not just the receivers catching the ball, but Tyreek Hill specifically. I know he's been good in cold games and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But not many people have talked about not only just the drop issues. I don't know if you've noticed as the season's gone on, he's had a couple of injuries. Mm-hmm. And the numbers have seemingly dipped. Mm-hmm. And he's also... The plays he was making earlier on in the season, he doesn't seem to be making right now. Now, maybe I'm just noticing this and, may, and maybe I'm wrong Could be selection here. bias. Could, could, could be, be injuries hitting yeah, sure, no, sure. for sure. But... I'm not worried about Tyree Kill in this game. Like I, I know there's a lot of people. I, I know it's crazy to think about maybe the best receiver in the entire NFL, and you're saying, "Yeah, I'm not worried." Yeah. But but I'm sitting here going, "Okay, he's had drop issues this season. As the season's gone on, there were two to three plays against the Bills that he could have made, yeah. and he just didn't. Even the one where he drew pass interference. Okay, that was earlier on in the route. You catch that ball, that's a touchdown." Mm. He dropped it and he just just off his hands. He had one in the that would have been a touchdown, a, a actual touchdown, just bobbled it out of bounds. Like I don't know if it's injuries, if he's in his head, what it is, but I'm sitting here going, he already got held to sixty three yards by Legarius Sneed earlier on in the season. Legarius Sneed has been playing better football even since then. Mm. Terry Kill has been playing worse football since then. He also has the injuries. Now I'm sitting here just going I know he's a great player, but again, I don't think this is a good matchup for him. When you have the physicality of Legarius coupled with the downturn in play by him and the injuries, I'm sitting here going, "You know what? Quite frankly, sorry, Tyreek Hill is not going to score his uh, the first touchdown of the season against Legarius Need, who, by the way, of course, has not given up a touchdown all season long. But of course, that's not good enough for the Pro Bowl.
7: Right. Well, I mean, the Pro Bowl is very scientific, so that makes sense. Um, I, I think he's see, not an All Pro either. Yeah. God, the players didn't vote him one either, did they? That's annoying. Um, I don't know when the Pro Football Writers' one comes out, but yeah. he should be there, obviously. Um, to that point, when Tyree Kill gets away from Legarius Sneed, he finds himself in the loving arms of Trent McDuffie, who stripped him in Germany. Like I mean, that uh, one of the big things for me not to shift un- not to shift uh, uh, under discussed, underemphasized storylines. But the Dolphins I mean, all the speed they have, and this is in the running game horizontally, in particular, sure. or in the passing game horizontally. The Chiefs' corners are perfect for this matchup. Yes. Th- th- this is an actual bad matchup for Miami, which will only add to the pain if the Chiefs have, like, three crippling mistakes and lose this game, because they could 1,000% lose this game. Yeah. But I I am with you insofar as I would be shocked if Tyreek Hill went 10 for 202 touchdowns. And you went, man, Tyreek Hill, and look, may- maybe I shouldn't be shocked, because he's back at Arrowhead, and this sure. is a perfect Tyreek Hill storyline game. But if you told me, Tyreek Hill went ten for two hundred and two touchdowns, and we were all talking about the Tyreek Hill game. Now Tyreek Hill put the Dolphins on his back, and maybe he had a couple of jet sweep carries in there too. I'd be really surprised by that, not because Tyreek Hill is not that type of player; he one hundred percent is, but because I do think the Chiefs have good answers for some of that. I think Jalen Waddle ends up being really important, whatever level of health he brings. I think both running backs end up being really important, but I don't. I also don't think I don't see the Dolphins going. 4 yards at a time through this defense. And and if they do it's in the quick passing game, right? Which sure. which maybe they could in the middle of the field a little bit and try to pick on the linebackers but i think what's really going to end up being the the difference maker is does one of those 12-yard Tyreek Hill receptions turn into an 80-yard touchdown does one of those 6-yard uh Raheem Mostert carries or H N carries do one of those 8-yard carries turn into an 80-yard touchdown that's i think what the dolphins are are kind of playing for here and their offense is incredible at creating big play opportunities like that the chiefs defense doesn't allow them very often so it's a fascinating matchup
0: yeah and that's what i said the first time around in germany i said I, everyone was talking about explosive offense because they'd come off a 70-point game as a mm-hmm. of ago. I'm sorry, everyone. I I try to consider myself very... Soft. <laughs> As we talked about in the first section. No, no, no. But, oh, okay. but, but but just just very honest and like like I'm not trying to be just like a homer and talking about the Chiefs sure. defense. I'm sitting here sure. going, though, this was this Chiefs secondary is the best secondary equipped to face the Miami Dolphins offense. Yeah, they, they really are. Yeah, um, and I think even the run game, which I want to get to, and the, the physicality morning, of the corners is, is a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah. and I go
7: the physicality, and not not just sorry, not, but not just luxurious need Jame at the line physicality. These dudes like tackling physicality.
0: Yes. And, and that's my point. I actually said, and I was wrong on that one, I said against the Eagles, for example, I said that might be a little different because A.J. Brown's a little bit bigger. He can yep. give the physicality back, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, they locked his ass up, too. Yep. Um, but again, against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, I, I again, I think the Chiefs' secondary is very much equipped. Now, where I am nervous and where I'm less optimistic is in the run game for Miami because as the season's gone on, they've gotten better. Mm-hmm. Devon H. did not play in Germany. And, oh, by the way, Devon H. is averaging 7.8 yards a carry. Unfathomable bon we're not talking Pac-12 football. No. We're not talking Madden. Yeah. Seven.
7: I don't even ask. I, I don't ask. Or
0: I don't get 7.8 yards of carrying Madden. I no. don't. I'm, a, I'm like 6.2. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very power guy. Uh, Zach Charbonnet. Um, <laughs> ground and pound, ground and pound in Madden. That's, yeah. that's
7: Stu. I'm really bad at Madden, so I ground and pound. I'm a clock guy. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your time of possession and all that stuff. Big uh, The
0: opposite of how I believe football should be played in real life, I do the opposite. I'm, I'm 1930s football. You're bringing and, Iowa
7: back to, Iowa. Uh, to Madden. Yeah. You, you play as the Steelers and just like take the logo off the hel- off the other <laughs> side of the helmet and just like I'm just gonna, gonna pretend. Yeah, Riley Moss is on my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 yeah man like like I think
0: Devon Achan is the X factor. Raheem Mostert, obviously, coming back as big. Mm-hmm. He averaged 7.1 yards per carry against the Chiefs in Germany. I, I know yards per carry is not the end-all, be-all by any means.
7: When you have a big sample size, like with Adrian, it a, it's it's a an interesting number. Over
0: 100 carries. That's nuts, dude. And, and, and again, I'm sitting here going, what is the worst part of the Chiefs' defense? It's their ability in the run game to consistently stop it, right? That has been their issue all season long by a ton of different metrics. Now, again, is that linebackers? Is it setting the edge? What I know is not the issue, and which, again, I think in this one might potentially help Kansas City, the Dolphins aren't running up the gut. That's not right. That's not what they do. Right. So it's going to be a lot of one-on-ones. And what did the Chiefs' corners, again, do well? They have a ton on their plate. Not only do you to deal with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall, and now you're saying you have to match up the physicality yep. one-on-one with Devon H. Chan and Raheem Moser in space. But can they do it? Yes, and again, I think they're better equipped than any other team in the NFL to do this. If they ran up the gut, if they were huge with their tight ends in the middle, I would say I'm nervous about this matchup. But again, because it's a lot of outside zone runs, because a lot of getting these guys in space where it's one-on-one with the corner, I, I trust McDuffie. I trust Snead. I trust Joshua Williams if he's ever out there. Yeah. I trust the s-
7: chief secondary to make the play. It, it'll be interesting. I wonder if we kind of found something here in terms of like what I would be wondering if I'm like Daniel, what I can do here. Can you put those corners in more stress points? Can mm-hmm. Can you make them make tough decisions? And and I don't I don't think this is necessarily like a a solution from like. The RPO game even. I I don't I don't know what you can have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle show up the line of scrimmage. But if you can I, I don't I don't know that that Tyreek Hill trying to block Lajarius Smead is going to go the way that you think it's gonna go. <laughs> I, I don't know that Trent McDuffie, he's not a not a big fella, but he, he's not gonna be blocked easily when he's off the line and able to read where you're going. You know what's
0: actually better with Trent McDuffie? That was used as a knock against him in uh the draft process, Uh-oh. which is actually better for this? Shorter arms. Shorter arms means there's a better chance your arms are closer to you. That's why a lot of bench pressers they can bench press more so you have shorter arms, right? Yeah. So you can almost use it as a positive as in a all right, yeah. He's got shorter arms, but if you're pressing the line of scrimmage, if you're needed to tackle someone,
7: yeah, there, there's a little less you room a little for leverage there. there. You I like that there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all of that all coming together to say, I I do think the Chiefs' defense matches up pretty well with with what the Dolphins are going to try to do here, and and I. I'm super interested to see how it pans out.
1: Uh, From Tom Pellicero, Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert are officially listed as questionable. Cornerback, uh, Xavier Howard, out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Xavier Howard we, uh, was trending towards out, and that yep. makes a lot of sense. Obviously, Wanya Morris today listed as out, but Donovan Smith, looking like he'll be back in the fold, which answers my original question earlier on today and yesterday was, if they're both healthy, who do you roll with? This makes the decision a little easier for Andy Reid, Andy Heck, and the Chiefs team overall. Yeah. Um, but again, you you hate losing that depth. Now, defensively, the Miami Dolphins are completely banged up. They're going through the Rolodex, and the actual Rolodex, by the way, because that's how old these players are they right. picking up. Uh, they have, uh, what, what's it now, Emmanuel Ogba, Emmanuel Ogba. Just, Justin Houston, uh-huh. and Melvin Ingram. That's
7: right, Chiefs Legends. Um, do
0: you think Alex Okafor was busy?
7: I, I, is it Tamba doing the Tamba's doing the drum? I think um, on Saturday, I, I believe Tamba Haley is is banging the drum, or he's he's somewhere involved in the pregame festivities, and then I think he's actually going to go suit up for Miami and try to get in a few snaps.
0: Glenn Dorsey and Tyson Jackson, I believe, are next on the the calling card for those guys.
7: Legendary names. I think Jared Allen might have some juice. Actually, I don't know where he's at right now. <laughs> I'd give him a call pretty early on. I think like he's on a ranch somewhere. If you had to give me like
0: three answers, like where where is he? I would say like. Oil rig, yeah. Oil rig for sure with the mustache. Yeah. Um, I would say in Wyoming on like a dude ranch. Yes, yeah. He's riding a horse. I think that's right. Uh, third answer. He's in a dive bar. I could totally see him just being in a dive bar. Hundred percent. And you just like pull up, and you're like, and he's playing Toby Keith.
7: Yeah, he's I think playing Toby Keith. And I and I do think again, just to kind of finish like the like the Wolverine esque sort of you know come back for to you know, come on Logan come come get your one last ride here. I. Uh, I could see Jared Allen like getting 15 snaps, three pressures. I <laughs> think maybe a sack in there. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to face uh, however old Jared Allen is. Jared Allen. Yeah. Uh, in regards to
0: Justin Houston, he played for Carolina this year. Obviously, did not do a ton. Are you nervous at, about Justin Houston at all? Obviously, he's not the same guy who once played. He's now in 41.
7: Kansas. I think he's got a little juice.
0: Um, but, but Justin Houston had a really nice, was it previous season? Was that what it was? This year, he has half a sack. But 2020, yeah, last year, he had nine and a half. Baltimore? Yeah, yeah, he had nine and a half last year. This year, with Carolina, he had half a sack. Didn't play a lot. Played in seven games. Um What's your overall takeaway on Justin Houston? Obviously, you know, it's not a quarterback who needs to learn the playbook. It's not a wide receiver. Yeah. Basically, they're saying, hey, dude,
7: go get after the quarterback. They need reps right now. I think that's the, the biggest thing. And it's, it's interesting that they're going older veteran guys who do have – experience, and, and they don't have to worry about maybe coaching up, but you wonder what their ceiling is going to be, that, that's an interesting strategy. But the Chiefs did this. The
0: Chiefs have done this the previous pre-seasons, or previous post-seasons with getting Terrell Suggs, and getting who, and then... Uh, fitting in Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram, yeah.
7: But they did it to get, like, one veteran ringer with fresh legs, <laughs> and... I don't know. I mean, obviously, Justin Houston was playing this year. He'll be ready to go, I think. And, and Ogba's been pretty good. Now that Ingram, they, they signed in like mid December. Um, and, 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 I'm guessing he would, thought he was going to eventually get the call, but you saw him out there trying to chase Dalton Kincaid. That's not a, that's not a reasonable spot to put that man. So I, I think they're going to try to get the best 10 snaps that each of those guys have in them and try to cobble together a rotation and let Ogba play a ton. I would yeah. be my guess.
0: I, and I guess, you know, Van Ginkel is also out. That's yep. a big loss. That's huge. If he was playing because some really good football.
7: If he's just like, whatever... Slightly below average As a starting Defensive end He's been above average He's he's been good He could at least Fill out your snaps He could at least Just be Mike Dana You know what I mean Like a guy who's gonna Be there and play Defensive end in your scheme Right now I just I don't know It's a a, a
0: wreck And again No Bradley Chubb And the biggest loss Was earlier on in the season Jalen Phillips The guy who I had Tabbed as a breakout Candidate for just National news I thought Jalen Phillips is really stepping Into his own Whenever he's healthy But again another injury Ends his season early how do you think the Chiefs try to attack this? Because I, I think the obvious thought process is Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, they're outside linebackers. I mean, I, I would be shocked if they're, they're ever going to go up against um, Travis Kelsey. But what if what if he ran a little twelve personnel? Yeah, you know, you know what if we, and maybe one does have to sneak out and, and go on Noah Gray or at least make a decision there. That that to me would be a little interesting. How, how would you try and attack and what do you expect to see the Kansas City offense try to do against this banged up? Miami defense.
7: I I don't want to over-exaggerate the the differences because I do think by and large it's going to look like the Chiefs offense that we've been seeing most of this year. I don't think it's going to be drastically different, Uh, but I hope that they do give Pacheco enough work in the first quarter to get a feel for how it's going. You know, like just because I I do think it's not going to be wet it's not going to be super windy as far as we know right now, so you can still throw the football. This isn't going to be a 3-0 snowstorm game like we saw the Patriots play a few years ago. But, if you have Isaiah Pacheco, a human Tasmanian devil of a running back, and you tell me that he can, in, in zero-degree weather and negative God-knows-what wind chills and everything, just run at Melvin Ingram three times in a row until he decides he doesn't really want to get off this block anymore? You move the chance. Do it again. Now, now go do it at, is that Justin Houston in the game? Go run at Justin <laughs> Houston. He, he's, he's been playing. He was really good last year. You know where he was playing this year? Carolina. He's been playing in the south. Like this is all of this is something to where I don't want to overemphasize the elements, but I do think that it plays into something I'd like to see the Chiefs try to do, which is set their floor with Pacheco and and let him be a guy that is just absolutely stampeding into this absolutely massacred defense. Let let some guys either relatively fresh off the couch or new to the system, test them physically and mentally, as you're kind of alluding to. Of like, make them make some decisions, both, both in terms of, am I going to hit this guy again or really let this guy hit me again? And, oh God, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? And if they have to simplify their defense to make sure those questions never happen, you've already won a schematic battle there. Yeah,
0: uh, Let's take a break. Come back. I do want to touch one more thing about Whoa. the weather before oh. we get out of here. And one of it is in regards to what Troy Palomalu had to say. Briscoe, Who's he talking to? with us. <laughs> Welcome to the home stretch. All right, Briscoe. Hit me. So I was talking to Troy Palomalu the other day. Come on, Bragg. Humble as I can be, baby. Um, Troy Palamala was talking to you. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, but I asked him about the weather. I, you know, I just just in general because he said he's in San Diego now, and he, mm-hmm. we were we were laughing because I'm, I'm looking outside and it was just freezing cold, ton of snow, and he's like, "It is different in the Midwest." He goes, yeah. "I choose to live here." I know I played for the Steelers, and during my playing days, I had to kind of learn to love the elements. Yeah. But but he goes, he hates the cold despises it, but he also understands that it, it, it's a mindset that you have to have, and some guys have it, and some guys don't. He was able to have it when he played, and he always says it always benefits the defense. Mm-hmm. But he did throw in the caveat of, because I asked about Tua talking about, you know, being from Hawaii, and then Alabama, and then Miami. He goes, yeah, but again, a lot of it comes down to a mindset. I'm sure he's, he's played in some. He's not had success in cold weather games, yeah. but again, there, there's he's obviously played in some. But again, he goes, one thing that does stand out offensively is Mahomes has played and played successfully in these cold weather games. Um, I just thought it was a little interesting to, to to get his thoughts that it really is a mindset. Even if you are from a warmer climate, you can still try and try and teach your body to, to handle yeah. the three and a half hours of being frozen.
7: It one thing that I just I wonder about and I'm I'm not sure if he talked to you about this on a level that would, you know, be similar. But I, I really do think that if you spend the week practicing in this cold and beyond mm-hmm. that, when you leave your house in the morning it's freezing. When you get out to practice, it's freezing. If you leave practice, freezing. You get home, it's freezing. You get to the game on Saturday, and it's freezing. It's no, nothing is new. This is this is just what your last two weeks have been like. It's ice cold out here. And for Miami, I mean, you you know the sensation, and we're we're Midwestern bullies, right? Like this, this doesn't really phase me on a on a any sort of meaningful level. Uh, I like hoodie season.
0: I, I threw on a thermal long sleeve
7: underneath the hoodie and called it good. I'm wearing a t-shirt <laughs> under this coat. I've been wearing this coat all day, but I'm wearing a t-shirt underneath it. You know, if you, you spend a week in Florida and you get off that plane or really you you walk out of the airport, oh, you regret every decision you've ever made for those those 10 minutes there. I mean, that is hellacious.
0: The best is uh, I remember going to Sandoval Island and uh, it, was, it was like 62. I think it was 62. And I was still in swim trunks and maybe a T-shirt. Maybe a T-shirt. 62 with the on little... On the way. plane? No, 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 no. no. Okay. On, on the beach. Got it. It's a little... Yeah, a little, little yeah, snippy. There were, I bleep you not, people who lived in Florida wearing more clothing than you are wearing right now i'm not wearing any pants fully yeah that's true i mean that's not saying a lie it it wasn't a nude beach so that would have been bad they would have probably gone to jail um but but again you know we we do kind of have that but but i'm I'm sitting here i'm like like, like, aren't you cold i'm like
7: this is lovely i will not feel this (laughs) amount of warmth again for six months i might not see the sun again for six months
0: uh, all right, before we get out of here with you, Briscoe, uh, two things I thought were kind of interesting. Rasheed Rice and Wanya Morris both make PFFs all-rookie team. Rasheed Rice, not a surprise. Wanya yeah. Morris, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they talked about it, not necessarily because he was great, but because only two left tackles played at least 150 snaps as a rookie.
7: I was that was going to be my follow up action. Not read that story yet, of of how big was the was the pool of candidates there. But it's nice that he cleared that bar at least, and got but, good reps.
0: But what I think is re- really interesting is we 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 talk about the misses that Chiefs have had. So I think it's fair mm-hmm. to talk about the hits. Rasheed Rice, seventh wide receiver taken in the
7: draft. Mm-hmm.
0: Guess where uh, Wandy Morris was?
7: Bet he was the seventh. tackle. He was the
0: seventh tackle taken in the draft. Lucky no, no, no. sevens. I think it's kind of kind of cool,
7: kind of coincidence as well. I'm happy that you're happy, Stu. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Briscoe. It's been a
7: pleasure as always.